the peer review system for um, hiring professors, for instance, or awarding PhDs or awarding tenureships. Yeah, it's very selective and subjective. It used to be like well, we need to test you with people who are experts in the field, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it's a hundred percent become we just need to know that you have the right ideological bent. Mm-hmm. This is a problem That's too. How it is. Yep. Yeah. So even and, then, yeah, and those uh, and, and back when uh, certain subjects were more subjective, right? I mean, more objective. Aren't they all subjective? No, no. It was <laughs> okay, yeah, things that are more like objective. objective. Like yeah. uh, then, it's far better than like mathematics or something. You come to Islamic studies, right? It's to me, my experience was it was quite subjective, if not totally <laughs> subjective. When I was in Yale, the <laughs> chair of the department, uh, he used to call me the Alawi, <laughs> the, the guy that worshipped Allah. Yeah. And he's a Muslim, right? <laughs> Izzy, <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah, no, the Izzy, that's a question. Yeah, heritage, most heritage guy. And he, uh, yeah, he used to say a resident Alawi. Because like, I used to pray, right? I used to go pray. <laughs> that's like, ridiculous. I was, that's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, well, <laughs> and then when I really got annoyed, you know what I would do? I'd just come into the meeting, uh, rolling down my sleep. You know when they, you could tell someone just made wudu, right? <laughs> Rolling down my sleeve, right? <laughs> uh, uh, so, assalamualaikum wa rahmatullahi everyone. Welcome to the uh, Safina Society podcast. Uh, we actually have uh, Mufti Niaz Hanan joining us uh, this evening from uh, the Islamic Center of South Jersey. Assalamualaikum Mufti. Shout out, represent, represent. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. So, so do you represent uh, Pamara or do you represent Drexel? I support my legs because my legs support me. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag Mufti jokes. <laughs> um, no, alhamdulillah, we just got an office at Drexel a couple weeks ago. Oh, mashallah. So, yeah, we've got a couple of days of office hours there, but I'm full-time at South Jersey. Alhamdulillah. alhamdulillah. Drexel is a cute little college. It's, nice it's adorable, place. right? Yeah, it's <laughs> it's cute. Nice little dorm. You're not the you first person that used that description. It's, you know that it's all those campuses that are in like in the heart of a city. Yeah, where it's it, you can't have like a sprawled out campus. Uh-huh. You end up having a really tall building. Yeah, yeah. and then the uh-huh. apartments are or in the like I guess they're dorms or apartments. They're in this old area of <laughs> yeah. Philly, right? Just you know, yeah. a couple remember, of blocks away. Yeah, I remember visiting <laughs> you guys there, and we read a little bit from Ihya Al Medin that day. Yes, yes, that was nice. oh, that's right. Those so, were good. The Ihya circles yeah. that were happening mm-hmm. in Philly. Yeah, those were um, so actually what I want to talk to talk about today, before we actually get to that topic, I want to do a side diversion. Okay. Talk about this just because, uh, I, uh, I recently watched the original Blade Runner movie. Oh, okay. Um, and so. <laughs> I think that guy was innocent. <laughs> Which yeah. guy? The, the Blade Runner. What do you mean he was innocent? Well, he was charged with murdering his girlfriend, right? Wait, which movie did you oh, watch? No. He's talking about that guy, Oscar Pistorius. Yeah, Pistorius. <laughs> Wait, what, what, he's talking he's about, about the Pistorius. the Olympic runner that had yeah, yeah, um, that had blades for legs. The amputated legs. They called out. him the Blade the, Runner. No, yeah. not that. Not, there's a, no, oh, there's, there's a, a film. Else. Harrison Ford. <laughs> yeah, yeah Moon's talking about uh, a, 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 a sci-fi movie that every geek on earth has watched yeah. 85 times. Oh, okay. Um, from the 1980s. I thought you were talking about. He probably about had it on Laserdisc back in the day. So yeah, because they have the new one coming out, but. Then you're going to need to familiarize me with it. Myself as well, yeah. Clones. So uh, essentially it's it's, uh, clones that are created, like replicated to be like humans and there's different versions, right? There's a version one, there's a version two. Uh, They're they're called like replicants, right? And so they're like replicas of humans. Okay. Um, And so eventually the movie is about, you know, this guy who's the Blade Runner, right? Harrison Ford from the, you know, 
1985 came out. Now he was Harrison Ford. Is like this Blade Runner who kills replicants, right? Okay. So the reason I asked this is that question, what he I thought he just arrested them. He kills them. Okay. Um, so the reason I asked this is like uh, Alex posted this article recently that like the singularity is no longer real. Okay. Like it's well, not possible. Not, not necessarily the singularity. Not was real ever. <laughs> but the, the, the stupid idea that we're, uh, so let's we're living back in up it. for a second. What is the singularity? Yeah. Yeah, you need to define that for those who would have worn right. on season one. For, <laughs> for those of you who haven't listened to our rants in season one about the singularity, my rants on the singularity. So the singularity is this belief that techno geeks have that eventually computers will advance to the point that, you know, our minds and everything itself will end up on the cloud in the I computer, see. right? And then the singularity will run and you know, uh, do things as it's, you know, in yeah, existence, so, right? So, so apparently there's this new scientific theory that like the singularity is impossible because there's not enough atoms in the world to actually support the singularity. So they're negating something so, that was already, a prim- and the premise of it was already doubtful in the first place. But Yeah, so now... Some people needed confirmation for that. <laughs> so the reason I gave this long, drawn-out uh, explanation is because we have a Hanafi here, I'd like to pose a theoretical thick question. Mm. Oh, dear. Mm. How about it? Iftiradat. <laughs> let's do this. Ara'aytiyin. So, let's say, right, there was a AI version of human beings, right? So in, for example, Blade Runner, they have these copies of human beings that are replicants, right, are, and they're not really humans. They don't have a soul, but they have, they're implanted with emotions, they're implanted with memories, they're implanted with all of these things, right? So when does a person start to become a human and stop becoming, Mm. stop being a human? Okay. I guess as soon as they would have a ruh or something. They'd have to be in a womb. Yeah. At some point. Why would they have to be in a womb? So let's say they were in a womb. Like that, that's how they were. Like Dolly the sheep. You're talking about something similar to, uh. Oh, cloning. But cloning is. Like a test tube. Test tube. Cloning, yeah. cloning shouldn't be any obstacle to humanity. I mean, they're still humans. Yeah, you'd still be a human. Yeah. But for they're just a twin. But what about a computer that's hmm. simulated to be a human? No, but you're saying two opposite things now. So are they in, are like test tube baby types? Like humans born in pods with a sperm from a man, an egg from a woman, that, put into a pod. I mean, does That's it have its? Does it have its own aql, its own sanity? Does it have its? So own... does a computer, though. The computer is all controlled, right? It doesn't make decisions on its own. Does no, it? well, AI does. Yeah, that's the argument. Really? That eventually, okay. they're talking about that there'll be like super powerful general in, uh, artificial. So how is this different than the Matrix? It's not. Well, it's very similar to the Matrix, but that's not why I'm asking it. But the, the the general artificial intelligence argument is that the machine is so intelligent that it it essentially has consciousness, which is impossible for a machine, I think, Islamically. Mm-hmm. Although I'll defer to so the that's not why it, it would go it would go about to agency, right? And whether it has aql or not, whether it's able no, to, it's all about the ruh, right? Right. You have to yeah, ask when, when is murder, because murder is linked to being a human, right? So breaking a computer, an AI, is never murder. It's breaking people's property, right? right? So ruh and the question of abortion comes at 120 days yes. in the womb of a woman, which means there's a sperm from a man and an egg from a woman. Wherever you put that, in a pod, in her stomach, wherever you put it, right, in her body, in a pod, like some of these science sci-fi movies, right? Yeah. And you grow them like um, in mass. It's the same thing. 
So gonna, that's a human. In a lot of these like sci-fi movies, the whole like premise of the movie is that these, you know, AIs, you know, you start to actually feel with their emotions and you know you feel sad when they get hurt you feel like oh because they feel like humans right yeah so then theoretically they're coming out with stuff like that regarding alexa children getting attached to alexa like she's a movies about that stuff now right people get attached to these machines like people who are depressed and they fall in love with the voice of the person what's that one uh with uh Her, her her Is that what it's called? With John Quinn Phoenix. With John Quinn Phoenix. Phoenix. Yeah. So whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Joaquin, Joaquin Phoenix. John Quinn Phoenix. John Quinn Phoenix. <laughs> our, 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 our third president, John Quinn Phoenix. <laughs> Who had a really weird trajectory after he did Gladiator, which was great. And then he went on becoming a rapper and really weird. That was that was an act. That was a stunt. But yeah, it, it was a stunt it, for, it never really, for like a movie. But it never really made it, right? Well, no he movie. made a movie after. Yeah, he did it. Like, it a, did? like a mockumentary or something. Did it flop? He, he, he did the um, Johnny Cash flopped, movie. Though, right? yeah, 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 Johnny Cash he, movie. He, did the, he was nominated for the Johnny Cash yeah, movie. Yeah, he did a good job. So he was doing all those reality stunts, acting weird and stuff yeah. for a movie. But the movie flopped. Yeah. Okay. Anyways. Anyway, he fell in love with his text message or Siri, whatever yeah. it was, right? Some, some. So I was just curious about. Yeah. I've been thinking about this the whole week, you know, like yeah. how do you know from a fic perspective, like if it does it count as murder if you murder like a robot? Like, does it count as uh, like especially if the robot feels has emotions? You know, I, here's the thing. I would say, I would say this. I mean, creation of God, though. You know, it's not a creation that, of God. That's what I'm. It's yeah. private property. Yeah. Yeah, we we can't hear you, so it's okay. Um, so yeah, if it's not a creation of God, then doesn't that, isn't that question kind of moot, right? Like whether or not somebody... Now you're going to get us down the road of trying to define that. Mm. Because what about test tube babies? Yeah. And then all of bioethics in general. Right. Right. Genetic engineering. So have any of the Hanafis yeah. thought about this? Because this is like around the corner here. Let me tell you something. No, let me that. tell you. Let me tell you. Some of the uh, iftaradat of the Ahnaf are... So out there, but there might be used for analogy today. Yeah. Such as, you know the question that they have. I don't know. I think the Shafi'i have iftarada too, but not as much as Ahnaf. Mm-hmm. Of, uh, what happens if a uh, human and a behem, yes. a mate, mm-hmm. a behem being a beast, an mm-hmm. animal of some sort, right? right? They mate, and the byproduct has aql, can yeah. speak, mm-hmm. right? They have rulings on it. Number one, he can't be slaughtered for food. He can't lead the salah, right? It's all there. <laughs> they, they, they looked at everything on it. And you, and that is something close to what you are talking about right now, where it's a gray area of not the norm of how humans are produced. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and, and while we were throughout this whole thing, you know, we, we mentioned a couple of things, you know, that the, I mentioned as the Hanafis, you know, can, like, can somebody explain, you know, what, what, why do, you know, why is it that like the Hanafis were more, you know, uh, you mentioned um, hi, uh, uh, hypothetical, hypothetical, right? So yeah. like, what what does that even mean? They, they view. Oh, actually, it was me... it was more because just historically, the city of Kufa, right, right where you know Imam Abu Hanifa, Abdullah and you know the other Tabi'in that were there at that time, um, it wasn't a Muslim majority city initially, and there was a lot of people traveling through. So there was more of an influx of ideas from outside. Of the Muslim community, including Greeks and philosophers and all these other European ideas that the city of Medina Munawwara was more protected from. The Hijaz city of Makkah Mukarramah was more protected from. So less of a need to discuss hypothetical issues. And, yeah. you know, a lot of the heretic problems started from that time and started from that place. Yeah. Right. As far as, you know, later on in the Khawarij mm-hmm. and even the Mu'tazilas as well. 
um, it's all coming out from there just because of so many different types of ideas and yeah. so many different ways and, of thinking. Yeah, and, and then you got to throw politics in there as well. Governance was course, yeah. definitely involved. Yeah. And in Medina, they used to say, this is a city of Salihin, right? If you have these questions about the dunya and these hypotheticals, go to Kufu, go to Iraq. Yeah, and, and and so like now, you know, I'd like to sort of transition into the the topic that I wanted to talk about today is you know the idea of fiqh and usul, and you know many people now you know are in doubt mm-hmm. you know of what fiqh means, what usul means, you know why do you even need usul? Why do you even need fiqh? Right? Um, you know, there has always been sort of this understanding for almost a thousand years, right? That there were four, you know, four. Maybe a few more school majority schools of fiqh, right? Uh, and and now this idea is sort of eradicated. So let Why? me let me tell you something. First of all, you're bringing up this point of how do we define a human being in Islam and Sharia, right? Think about this. It is not so far off because today we are questioning how to define gender, right? We always come back. <laughs> 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 it's the gender bias. That train is never. You, go, you gotta have a special like we theme well, there song, it is. right? Sound there it is. We should get a train sound effect yeah, for the gender is. thing. <laughs> All aboard! Okay. Yeah. All right. So, uh, I mean, two decades ago, we were t- talking about sexuality. What is sexuality? What uh, what is permissible and not? And that now we're talking about the human himself, the human being, what is gender, right? And why can't we imagine in 10 years we're going to be talking about what is a human period? Mm-hmm. Forget his gender. Yeah. Forget where how he cohabits, right? Then, So your question right now is probably something that will come up in the future. And I just recently came – I was in a, on a plane and saw some um, – one of these sci-fi movies where uh, the, the main question that you would ask or look for when you see a human walking by was if they were a human or a bot, right? Right. Is there a human or is it a robot? Right, right, uh, and that was like a thing in this movie, in the sci-fi movie. That was a thing. Right? Were you watching Blade Runner? No. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you were. Was a ghost yeah. in the show? Uh, was that a ghost in the show? Uh, no, I can't remember what it was. Isn't it that was... a cartoon? There's a movie. They made it into a movie. Oh, yeah. I can't remember. In this movie, though, China. If you've seen the cartoon, you shouldn't watch yeah, the movie. Watch it. It'll just spoil it for you. I've, I haven't seen no, that one. Oh dear. The, the, the movie was. Uh... Our listeners probably just think we watch way too many movies. Uh. The, the the movie was uh, American made, but in the movie, China was the capital, the center of the world. Everyone makes hijra there, and that's the the new metropolitan city, basically. Wait, American uh, is American? Isn't American made that Tom Cruise movie that's coming out? No, no. By the way, what regarding what Moeen said that our listeners, I I I know all the titles and plot points of these things. I haven't actually watched any of them, yeah. <laughs> which I think is the case for most of the stuff that Doctor Shelley yeah. brings up too. <laughs> Most of these times, they, the trailers are so long, they I, give away the whole movie. So we figured that out when it. he thought Blade Runner was the guy on <laughs> 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 Ice skates. You know why? Because Mufti Niaz was, was talking about South ice Africa. Skates. <laughs> yeah. Ice skates. Ice skates. Did Moeen say ice skates? artificial legs. <laughs> oh, dear. The case against him is a very interesting law question, right? He was found guilty, though. He was found guilty. But I felt, honestly, there was not enough to make him guilty, right? I don't know what you feel about it, but I, I didn't know the details. Yeah, look it up. It's a very interesting case. I felt he was. He should have I know what his defense was that he thought it was a, an intruder. intruder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Along. Yeah. So where were you said something about oh how to define a human? Yeah, so I don't think that that's going to be a far off question, right? Yeah. And I think the idea of the ruh coming in at 120 days in the womb, and that there being a a, a male and female constituent or a, 
components, right? Right. Those are the essentials of what makes a human a human, yeah. and therefore that rule that that um, influences what we mean by murder. Yeah, it influences what we mean by. Uh, these other questions: yeah. What's murder? Who can well, you marry? Etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, because et we're we're at the beginning right now in in history of this like transhumanist thought of yeah. like okay, yeah. cybernetic implants and and all this stuff. So mm-hmm. I, I think those questions are right. They're yeah. going to become more prominent. And there's going to be a slow gray area. For example, um, you can you can have athletes now, right? That they you know that in certain sports is a seventy percent chance or fifty percent chance you're going to tear an ACL or an MCL at some point. Right. Right. So there's these ideas now that uh, why don't you just uh, this idea now of strengthen it before you yeah. ever right. rip, uh, tear it. Right? right. Right. So that's like almost robotics within a, a very basic level that would seem totally normal. Right. And you can have super athletes as a result. Pitchers, for example. I, I think that MLB is losing so many pitchers. Right, so the idea of waiting till someone has Tommy John surgery, going Just in do there it ahead of time, do right. it ahead of time, yeah. and strengthen it in whatever way they know how to strengthen it, I mean, and they should, they would make it legal. All their superstars are going down, right? They're getting hurt. So what's the point of having a sport where all the stars are getting hurt every two seconds, right? So that type of thing is already. Believe it or not, I think, that, I think that we're at peak sport. <laughs> I think that we've peaked when it comes to sports. Yeah, probably it's going to be all esports, right? You're yeah, I th- or even even if it's not esports, I think I think just professional athlete, athlete except for soccer, mm-hmm. professional sports. I think we've peaked. You think so? I don't. Pretty I don't much, think. Yeah. I don't think in twenty years anybody's going to care about. Oh yeah, and, and, and in terms of talking about popularity, are you right? talking about yeah. they're not going to be more athletic within their field? Or no, skills? they'll probably still be like they'll be superhuman athletes, and nobody will watch it because they don't care. Really? Yeah, I think that sports as pastime has fallen out of favor. You I really think, think so? I just, I just yeah. need the Knicks to win before that happens. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> That's not going to happen. <laughs> You'd be surprised how many people, I mean, starting no, I from this season, just not to take it yeah. on another tangent, but boycotting the NFL because yeah. of all the stuff that has been happening. And then, you know, that's also that's been extended like most... into baseball as well. And obviously, even that... in the NBA, yeah. it's... Going to be very interesting to well, see how the rest the of the viewership has out. been way down anyway. Yes, yeah, like yeah. even prior yes. to this, the NFL is the most likely candidate for Fairly. for all of these yeah leagues. To I don't to, even to understand how baseball makes money. Of, by the way, yeah, I still don't. I still don't get it. Nobody watches baseball. Yeah. Nobody true. cares about it. But there's 160 some games a season. That's why. Yeah. Even if you just do the math, but the it's still like a pastime, yeah. right? Like a, a lot of people. I, still I'm telling you, a lot of people follow sports as a memory. As a childhood memory, like we're going to do this now, you know, passing it down and doing that with your kid, mm. to, just as a memory, you know. Yeah, and since kids don't play sports anymore, yeah. Well, that and like ba- <laughs> like baseball is still one of those like traditional like if you think of like American pastime, right? Baseball, yeah. you know, throw baseball out with your son, right? Like it's like one of those things that it's it's part of like you know the. I was talking to Are you assuming the gender of somebody's child. I was talking to I was I was with a friend of mine yesterday who's uh Pakistani, but born and raised in Jersey City, still lives in Jersey City, and uh he was telling me that he takes his son out for soccer. Like a Pakistani kid playing soccer. Yeah. I used to play soccer. <laughs> well this is what I'm saying. Like the whole baseball tradition is That's true. Although nobody... I did play baseball when I was a kid. Like with, I never with played your baseball. I've been to one baseball no, game, dad, Philly's so game. Like, I mean, I baseball. Never watched it. Only the World Series or the playoffs. Yeah. If it was a good matchup or something, or the All-Star Game home run derby, that type of stuff. By the way, it's an interesting point about <laughs> baseball. Uh, I, I remember a few years ago, there was like Game 7 of the World Series, right? Or Game 6, but it was decisive, whatever it was, right? Right. Oh, last year was Game 7, yeah. I think. Mm-hmm. No, well, this, was, this is like four years ago. Oh, okay. And it was up against 
um, like a regular, like the Bengals against like oh yeah okay. <laughs> teams that didn't matter in football, and the football game got more viewership. Wow, that's, that's weird. Yeah. That's weird. Now about this methods, right? Yeah, let me. Just I think say. I think it just before we go more into it, it goes back to like the question that you posed in the beginning, Moin, and Dr. Shadi, what you followed it up with is. As far as scholarship today, I wish there was more of an emphasis on teaching definitions. Mm, yeah, right? that's exactly what I was definitions. Really we have to know what we're talking. What is a human? Yeah, right. What, yeah. what what does the Sharia define as a human, and what is not a human? And then by extension, that will save a lot of time, and we can now go into the actual more relevant issues. Yeah, it's because things are not defined. Right? Even within the world we live in, what is respect for the country or respect for the national anthem what is disrespect for the national definitions i think is something just not just within muslim scholarship but even in regular schools and think gender yeah okay it was not an issue before now we for some reason we have to redefine what it means to be a male or what it means to be a female why yeah. <laughs> it's not that hard yeah. but i think I, even when we talk about this topic of usul al-fiqh right the bulk of it is establishing definitions it's right? true as yeah. far as what is and what isn't what is a text what is not a text and all and, of those and ultimately things. that's why islam survives generation after generation is because the terms are defined yes right now that's one thing i'm gonna counter though mm-hmm. because there's a lot of people in academia who will say that those terms are not defined those terms are subjective right those terms you know uh over time you know we like the the fold of Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah, right? The, the the four schools of thought. I think maybe forty years ago, what we considered, you know, known by necessity, ma'lumin al din al right? People will say that those things are no longer known by necessity, right? What? Like those things. I mean, there's people now who argue that a homosexuality is perfectly fine, yeah. right? The there's people. But who, they're not making cogent fiki arguments, though. But they're using also they're using def- different definitions. So if you can't agree upon a definition, then you can't really have the conversation to begin with, yeah. right? Well, here's the question: Is what makes a term a term in Sharia, yeah. right? And that's very simple. Its usage at 100 after the Hijra, prior and prior to that. After 100 after the Hijra, Quranic and a Hadith, the terminology of Quran and Hadith must derive from a precedent, right, of the Arab speech. Before 100 after Hijrah. So, who, who, like, wh- wh- like, why that? Okay, thing? why that time? Because it's at that time the Quran was revealed, right? Right. So now you're adding to it just the rest of the lifespan of the Sahaba, right? That's it. Mm. And we stop there. But what about, like, um, where does that extend? Does that extend to, like, the Tabi'in? Ta- 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 does that extend? That would extend to Tabi'in and, and, yeah, probably young Tabi'in. Ta- ta- Right? Until it all gets documented eventually, right? But right. it's it's simple. I mean, what we say is that there are matters within this deen that we can simply say that they're essentials, right? As far as the definition would be What is known by everyone by necessity, even if you don't speak Arabic, even if you've never lived in a Muslim country, there's five prayers, not four or six. Okay, and there are clear cut things which are haram, such as khamar, such as zina, these things are ma'lumum min ad-dini These things are known within the deen bid-darura. Now, the more technical, nerdy definition would be, and we'll try to keep this as simple as possible, is qat'iyu'l-thubut and qat'iyu'l-dalala. It has to be clear-cut in its transmission, where we get it from, the source, and it has to be clear-cut in what it means. Those types of issues, 
It doesn't matter how academic you are. It doesn't matter if you have a couple of different master's degrees in a number of different subjects from a whole bunch of different governing bodies of some universities, right? You're not going to change what was revealed. You can't go and double check with the Prophet ﷺ, you know, did he hear it right? Or the Sahaba radiallahu anhum. It has to have these two things. The source of it is 100% authentic. When we say qati'u thabut, it's two things. Quran. And somebody who has a problem with that, we just call them kafir, all right? Or hadith mutawatir, hadith mutawatir, something that is so obvious, so many people heard it, and so many people passed it on to so many other people, there's absolutely no way it's fabricated. Yeah. And then qatiyu thubut, okay? You have Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaking about theft in the Qur'an. It's a specific punishment for a specific crime. Now, what extends to the severity of the crime, or who gets to enforce this, or who did it apply to that's something different. But as far as what the verse says, it's a specific crime for a specific, it's a specific punishment, excuse me, for a specific crime. Mm-hmm. After that, right, we have area and we have room for many differences of opinion, many differences of opinion. And I'll make this point by saying that as far as why we shouldn't have a problem with this, one is because humans are different. You'll have differences of opinion. And Allah did not reveal to the Prophet ﷺ a hundred thousand volume book that has all the answers of every question up until the day of judgment. Right. The hikmah, the fact that it's only a couple thousand pages of the Quran means that there are going to be certain principles, but the application will change based on geographical context, historical context. Mm-hmm. These are definitions that I think people need to be able to appreciate. Yeah. Now, now you mentioned though that like things will change based on geographical application and context and things like that. Now, like, what's the limit of that change, though, right? Um, like, you can say that, okay, there's certain things which are known by qati'i evidence, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's five prayers, not four, not six. But are there things which are gray, right? Like, I don't know. But, like, you know, pe- there's a lot of people who argue about these things, right? But are there things which can be considered gray that will differ by context or region and things like that? And I think why lay people, including myself, like, you know, uh, why we get confused is, you know, you say that there's four schools of thought. There were more than four schools of thought who had differing opinions. And now you have people saying that you don't even need to follow these schools of thought. Follow the Quran and the Sunnah, right? right? So this is where I wanted to get involved. Now, to start giving you a definition of what what is the idea of madhahib, right? And I want to hear your take on this. You probably agree. So it's it's where you have – madhahib means direction in Arabic. Madhahib means direction. Right, so it's the route that you take to the Sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, right? Which is the commentary of the Word of Allah subhanahu wa taala. Now, directions can be different. You can take Route One to get here. You can take Route Twenty Seven to get here. You can take the Turnpike. You can take the Parkway. You can take Two Ninety Five. Then, I mean, so I have three ingredients. The for destination a is ultimately the obedience of Allah, the ta'at of Allah, and the obedience of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, the ta'at of Rasul sallallahu alaihi wasallam, but. Madhab means simply direction. Okay, we can talk about why nobody should have a problem with that, but I mean, no, there the uh, the idea of a madhab is totally maqul and ma'na. It's rationally comprehensible, and there are three ingredients to a madhab. Mm-hmm. Number one, a mujtahid imam, which means an imam who has at his fingertips the factors right required in making a decision. If you're going to make an analysis of a mas'ala of a question. You need to have all of the factors. You need to know, right, and have at your fingertips all of the factors that are going to go into that, right? 
which is the verses of the Quran and their tafsir, hadith and their explanation, Arabic language, and usuri methods. That's a mujtahid imam. How is a mujtahid imam determined? By his peers, right? His peers will just say, yes, he does have a mastery over X, Y, and Z, uh, right? Or he doesn't have it in X, Y, and Z. So that's ingredient number one is the mujtahid imam. And there are not many mujtahid imams in the, in the whole in the history of the ummah, right? Some say there has to be one every generation, right? But we, they can be counted. It's not a very high, uh, um, common thing to have a mujtahid imam. So it's important that we appreciate this. Imam Abu Hanifa, rahmatullah, Imam Malik, rahmatullah, Imam Shafi, Imam Ahmed al-Hamad. They are imams, not just because they earned it. They are imams because other imams Correct. certified and yeah. categorically validated. declared them as imams who are to be followed and yeah. taken from. They were validated right? that they have a mastery over the factors required to make an analysis and come to a conclusion. So that's the actual peer-reviewed system. Yeah. That's what it's supposed to mm-hmm. work like. Ingredient number two. The other thing that it, the conclusions of the mujtahid, his conclusions, how do when we receive them, it's treated no differently from a hadith. Because a conclusion of an imam is a big deal. It's his interpretation of the Quran and hadith that is not so explicit. That means we need an interpretation. How do I know I'm going to worship Allah based upon this interpretation? So, so ingredient number two is sahih al-naql. Right. So the transmission of this conclusion that it has arrived to me through chains of transmission. So many people know about the hadith chains, but also we need our transmission, our sound transmission for the conclusions of the mujtahid imams. Right. So that's the second thing. Ingredient number two is the isnad. Mm-hmm. Right. And the, isnad, by the way, is like a scientifically verifiable phenomenon. It's not just some weird, you know, hold your hand and I bless you and I kiss you and now mm-hmm. you can take from... No, it's something that is... Very objectively, scientifically mm-hmm. verifiable. Okay. Yeah. It's something that very few people should have a problem with, if any at all. There so, go all my chains. What's that? <laughs> <laughs> so, so he goes, so what did you say? he goes, there goes all my chains. <laughs> <laughs> so there is, uh, for example, when Imam Malik gives a fatwa, or Abu Hanif or Shafi or Malik, or uh, Ahmed, when they give an analysis that is not clear from the apparent text, it's a fatwa, right? We need to be sure that they actually said it. Okay, if we're going to base our religion and our heaven and hell on this, right, uh, we need to be sure. So that's it. Ingredient number three, okay, is tahriru arai. Tahrir. Which means, just because a mujtahid said something, the mujtahid is a human being, right? So uh, when a mujtahid is a human being, okay, we need to actually make sure that not one or two, dozens upon hundreds, upon thousands of scholars in his time, including up to our time, for hundreds of years, have examined his conclusion and found no holes in it. And by the way, sometimes they do find holes in it. They still attribute themselves to that imam, but they change their opinion, right? And the the scholars review those opinions, and they will then choose. And over time, the cascading generations of scholars from different times and places a majority opinion within the school develops. So this is the issue of tahrir. And let me just give you an example. Today, many people look at uh, Al-Albani as a hadith critic, right? And they say he's a great scholar, etc., and he has all these books. Well, let me tell you one thing. Al-Albani lived last generation. He passed away in 1999. 1999. All right. Okay. We would say about that, we would say not enough time has passed for dozens upon hundreds upon thousands of scholars to examine his his conclusions 
right? So that we can get a sampling, enough of a sampling to actually cert- or validate or invalidate his conclusions. And by the way, what we do have of uh, critique of his work, the quote-unquote peer reviews, is highly polarized. Wait, who, who is who is Albani? Al Albani is Sheikh Nasr al-Din al-Albani. Nasr al-Din al-Albani. He's Albanian, raised in Syria, and he son, basically son of a Hanafi mufti. Son of a Hanafi mufti, and he ended up uh, going against his father's way, becoming uh, living basically in the library of Damascus, reading hadith books on his own, and ultimately becoming a hadith critic and a mujtahid in his view and the view of his followers that he's like a mujtahid imam uh, from. Just reading books. Okay? Is, he, is he the author Self-taught. of uh, author of the Prophet's Prayer book? Yes. Describe, yeah. And that's the the smallest of his Salat books. Salat al-Nabiq and nakatara Yeah. Right? I think that's the, the title. That's the most popular book, but the main books, his main life work is... Learn that in Sunday school. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so basically, he's taken the editions of the Sihasita and even Al-Adab al-Mufrad and Shamail and other books, yeah. major hadith collections, and has edited them. And in his yeah. editions, he's mm-hmm. done his own critiquing. Right. So, of, pe- so people, yeah. So you'll find sometimes people will cite a hadith that's in Sahih Muslim or Sahih Bukhari, and it'll say confirmed Sahih or graded Hassan by Sheikh Al Albani. Yeah. He but has. Who is, who is he to like grade? Well, he no, just not, did it I'm on not, his own. I don't, I don't know. He just yeah, did it. But like, I mean, yeah. He's no, the, he just did he's it. He's the muhaddith of all muhaddithin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah this he, is, no, this he is just the fault of his students, literally. by the way. I don't blame him on him Allah. Right. But no, but the thing is, he did something which we would say in the discipline. Whoa, you're way out of your league, right? You're not confirmed by anyone, right? And he wrote, he would wrote, yeah, he did it. Either way, he did it, right? There's no stopping it. But, uh, the, the idea of what he did is, for example, purification of Bukhari. Literally, that's the title of one of the books, mm-hmm. right? Sahih, Sahih al Yeah. <laughs> like the, the, the ridding Bukhari of the errors, right? Mm-hmm. And he has that for everything. Wait, and he He's has done that for the books. For yeah. everything. And he, he was such a cop- copious writer, it's unbelievable. His other main book is Silsilat al Ahadith al Daifa al Maldu'a, right? The chain or the uh, series of weak or fabricated hadith. So he'll take Tabarani to task, he'll take Suyulti to task, he'll take everyone to task, right? <laughs> and what we would say, what we would say about those conclusions, okay, listen, okay, say what you want. It, no one's going to judge you right now. You're going to be judged over time right. by the scholars who don't have, who eventually in, the, in your generation, he has followers. He was apparently very charismatic, tough. Very strong guy, very uh, sharp-tongued on people, right? He he had either staunch followers or staunch enemies, right? So I would even say throw out everything that's been written now. Just let's wait. Let's wait until the emotions have settled down. And now let's see what the critiques is because the critiques that come out are either he's like uh, a pure mujtahid that doesn't make mistakes or that – uh, what I heard from one of the Hadith scholars or what I read is that one out of every four of his analyses has mistakes and the mistakes are so simple as that the edition that he was reading from had a typo, right? The mm-hmm. edition that he was reading from had a typo. And the, so he replicated the typo. In the last century, it was probably Sheikh Abdul Fattah Ghudda, rahimahullah, um, who did the most work as far as looking at the work of Albani, rahimahullah, and critiquing it and basically identifying certain inconsistencies and contradictions within the methodology, declaring one as authentic here or a particular narrator as acceptable here, but in another situation, another place, um, he has a problem with it. So certain very, very particular difficulties. Yeah, The problem, the the most obvious problem with uh, the works is that the the chain of weakened life hadith 
it's like thematic. Well, I was going right? to say that even to a lay person like me, yeah. if you go through his books, you're able to notice that there's hadith that you really, you, you, you've bent yourself backwards to include and mm-hmm. those that are bent backwards exactly. to exclude. Exactly. And it's because of a certain ideological. Exactly. Point. So mm-hmm. he comes from Aqidah perspective first, right. mm-hmm. theology first. And then in, in his books, you can basically predict which way he's going so on. So it's not 100% idea. objective. Yeah. So my point in saying what this. What human is. Yeah. Now, my point in saying this is that no tahrir has been done. Tahrir requires decades upon decades upon decades upon centuries of scholars looking at a work and then coming with the conclusions. And then the good rises to the top and the weak falls away. Right? And so a madhab also means that the opinions of this madhab, the dominant opinion of this madhab, has been supported by literally, I would say, in the hundreds of thousands of scholars per madhab, right? Hanafi madhab, when you say the mashhur and the Hanafi madhab, right? The dominant... Well-known students, documented yeah. books upon books. So that when then, you act upon it, mm-hmm. and uh, and if you get asked by Allah Azza wa Jal, why did you act upon this, right? Then you will answer, because I, I have limitations. However, 100,000 of, 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 of the scholars of the ummah signed off on this ruling, Right? Yes. And this is acceptable. Imam Shafi'i himself said, when I, if Allah was to ask me why I did something, I would say, I would point to Malik. <laughs> okay? So the idea, because of the basic idea that the, the, the scholars of my ummah will not, uh, agree upon in misguidance, or my ummah would not agree upon in misguidance. And Surah An-Nisa, the verse telling us that the scholars are upon guidance. So Just, when it comes to Sunni scholarship, we look at the majority. When it comes to everything else, we don't look at the majority. Just before we transition, I yeah. just want to say Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen for Shahad Al-Bani, Rahimahullah, who outside of the subcontinent Indo-Pak community, most what we call traditional Madhavi Muslims weren't really looking at Hadith before. He did before really. Al-Bani showed up on the scene. So mm-hmm. Yeah, sometimes it I mean, takes... the Ahnaf have always been very strong on that. I mean, mm-hmm. look at the world. Everybody who you see who's a Muhaddith mm-hmm. is basically a Hanafi and probably yeah. Pakistani Indian. Yeah, either a Hanafi, Pakistani Indian, or a Al-Bani follower. Yeah. Right. And by the way, sometimes, <laughs> yeah, sometimes it takes an agitator, right? A, a, uh, um, what's the word? Um, controversial agitator to Change wake up agent. the people for an, ind- uh, mm-hmm. uh, for field. And I mean, Allah Alam, and I don't know the history, maybe, uh, Mufti Niaz does, but one of the accusations that the anti-Madhab people or just the anti-Hanafi people always leveled against Abu Hanifa is that he wasn't strong in Hadith. And so his madhab is the madhab of Muhaddith. It's right? amazing. It's about a lot. So it might, be, it might be one of the motivators. I believe that that's uh, if, if, uh, almost as if Allah Azza wa Jal vindicating their imam. If he was weak in hadith, they wouldn't have all these muhaddithin. Subhanallah. So, right. so uh, now, just to close off on Albani subject, at the end of his life, he was part of like a radio show. And he would come in and people would call in and he would give the fatawa, right? answer their questions, whatever. And this is like in the last year of his life. Mm-hmm. right? A woman calls up and she said... I I don't know much about you. However, I see you uh, face on TV. I think it was TV. Maybe it was radio. I hear your voice on the radio. I hear your name. However, I just want to tell you that last night I saw Rasulullah walking and you attempting to put your feet on his feet. On his footsteps. Right. So, yeah, uh, he, we have, there, we have a lot of criticism about Albani. A lot of criticism, right? However, at the end of the day, if you take that as a reliable, you know, thing, I don't think someone's gonna, especially in those Salafi circles, they don't care about those things, right? Hmm. They don't, they don't value those things. It's well, not like those I, types I, of dreams. I listened, I listened right? to that, to that 
to that recording. You saw that? I've heard oh, it. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> that sounded authentic, right? <laughs> yeah. Not only was it of authentic. Alex listened to the recording. Yeah. But after, <laughs> after, By the way, I like how Alex earlier was like, you know, a lay person like me. And then he said something that a lay person would definitely not be <laughs> familiar with. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> I don't remember. Yeah, so you heard oh, that. Dear. So yeah, and, and, and of course, uh, Alex. Shahad Al-Bani, his, his reaction was really beautiful, actually. He yeah. started crying and saying, yeah. let's talk for the law, let's talk for the law. Right? So... It's not like oh. this is a person that was uh, not motivated by Dean or yeah. or that he wasn't sincere, or anything. right? Uh, yeah. uh, and there's no question about that. I don't think. Yeah. I mean, did he make mistakes? Was his bent uh, different from our? Of course, mm-hmm. but we all, everybody makes mistakes. We don't follow him. We have our own teachers. But yeah, this is not a criticism of him as a human being or as a yeah. Mormon. Subhanallah. And it goes to show you how vast the love, mercies of Allah. Of is. course, it takes people by their intention, and you never know. How do you know what kind of upbringing that he had that would make or forget him? Any person. That you see is way off, right? How do you know what upbringing he had may have started on the opposite extreme and was such a bad experience that sort of propelled him to have a personal motive? Muftin, he has be easy on your son. See the I actually, <laughs> I actually have a quote from Albani. It's my Facebook description. Lastuillah tuwaili ba'il. Subhanallah. Right. Subhanallah. I'm nothing but a small right awailim. Nothing but a small student of knowledge. Subhanallah. Subhanallah. Rahimahullah. But this mazhab thing, it, again, it's for some people, they just are a little bit stubborn about it, I think. And it goes back to the definition of it. Do you follow Muhammad, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, or do you follow Abu Hanifa? No, it's just Jahid. Someone who talk like that. Do you live in New Jersey or do you live in... Can you deconstruct that? Do you live in New Jersey or do you live in Edison? And you can only say one. Yeah, that's, that's a ridiculous question. No, yeah. it's Edison. <laughs> yeah. So you don't live in New Jersey now? I don't... Right, you're 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 comparing something that's in two yeah, different course. leagues and two different right. levels, right? This right. is the difference between knowing Arabic and also a little bit of logic as well, yeah. right? We all follow the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. We all follow Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi. We all follow, you know, the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. But the direction to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is the madhab. Okay, you have a channel that goes through Imam Abu Hanifa, yeah. the students. Of the Prophet ﷺ, who were the teachers of Imam Abu Hanifa's teachers, and likewise Imam Malik, Imam Shafi, and Imam Ahmad. It's a chain of transmission that goes, you know, leading from them back to the Prophet ﷺ, right? It's the same water, right? But you have, so the Quran speaks about this. Um, which means to, to dig a well. So, who creates the water? Who does the water belong to? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Now the person who digs the well is he creating the water? Of course not. No. What no. is he doing? He's discovering it. He's yeah. discovering. There's yeah. certain parts of it, the benefit of it, which mm-hmm. is hidden. Now the person who digs the well and builds it is he allowed to say that this is my well? Yes, sure. he can for sure. Right. But he doesn't own the water; he owns the well. And right? he didn't create it either. He didn't create it either. Yeah. What is his job to expose it and let people benefit from yeah. it? Yeah, exactly. So this is well, Hanifa's well. This exactly. is Imam Malik's well. So this is Shafi's well. This is Ahmed's well. This is an analogy. Mashallah. T- technical fit question. Yes. Brought up. He doesn't own the water. No, Allah owns the water. He can't sell it. This Islamically, because like if I dig a well in America on property I own, mm-hmm. that's my water. I can. Bottle it, sell it, distribute it. Okay, okay. I don't know about that. I understand <laughs> no, the question. No, the answer is this, because there is some uh, hadith on the prohibition of selling water. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, you don't sell the water. You sell the service of packaging it, bottling yeah. it. Yes. Mm-hmm. So you can't prohibit people from just coming to the well, no, Yeah, you can prohibit them from entering your land in the first place. Very good. Crossing my property, right? In the first place. Seems Is that technical. a loophole, though? 
seems technical. Yeah. No, in no, a, it's not. A, I'll tell you very, why. In a very Ben Israel t- type I'll, of way. Yeah, <laughs> I know. But I'll, I'll tell you why. Because if that guy goes and digs, 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 digs so deep under the ground, I don't own under the ground, right? And then he comes horizontally and digging under my property. <laughs> I drink your milkshake. Right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> right? Because, uh, because I, I, I once saw this uh, movie about the old oil guys. Here yeah, we go about movies. I drink again. your milkshake. Yeah, exactly. So this guy, this stubborn guy, wouldn't sell his property to some oil magnate, right? So the guy, oil guy, bought the property next door and just invested in enough technology to go so deep and then to go east, underwards, and then suck the oil from the guy's property that way. What are we talking right? about? <laughs> right. So, We're talking about water rights. My, my, <laughs> mi- mineral rights in that case. Well, what yeah. we got to is that Medahib are like wells. You don't, yeah. you don't create the water. You don't own the water. But you did do the work yeah. in extracting the water and offering it in a beautiful cup. So what we're talking about now leading to the next question is that uh, the idea of following a madhab is oftentimes a type of trick question because is it obligatory to follow a madhab, yes or no? That question I would say is totally – it's not a good question because the answer is yes and no. Y- yes for a reason. In essence, no. In essence, no. There's no statement that says that. But when you look at the awad, the, the arad, the arad meaning like the purpose behind it. It goes back to the definition. It becomes right? yes. Yeah. It becomes a yes for two things. Number one, at-tashahi is, is seeking out the most easy opinions in religion for the sake of your nafs, for the sake of your whims. This is called tashahi and it's called tatabarruchas and it's known. Everyone, all the scholars talk about how bad it is that someone who keeps follow, looking for the easy opinions in everything, right, will end up a fasiq because you end up Never having to discipline your nafs, right? Everything becomes halal for you, right? Mufti nafs. Mufti nafs. <laughs> so, number two is someone says, okay, listen, I really don't, uh, I really don't seek to make things easy for myself, but I actually do believe that this opinion in the Shafi position is correct. This opinion in the Hanafi is correct. So I'm going to combine the two. Talfiq. And we would say, hold on a second. You are at this point actually disrespect. I would say, I can't say that that's haram, but I would say you are disrespecting the discipline, right? It's a disrespect to the discipline because you've actually made yourself like a referee of these imams. And the sign of ignorance to me I've always found is overconfidence in your own opinion, right? Overconfidence in thinking you understood everything. So this, this goes right? back to, this goes back to then what's the definition of a mujtahid? Uh-huh. Somebody's got a master's or PhD in Arabic, a PhD in Islamic yeah. civilization and Far Eastern studies. <laughs> okay. Does that person need to follow a madhab? Yeah. Or someone who's, uh, leads in Islamophobia. Okay. Movement, so right? my question Anti, is, <laughs> my question is, do you know Arabic better than someone like Abu Jahl, right? Yeah. Or, uh, you know, any of the other people that were alive at that time? And, um, as far, people, the reason why people have this knee-jerk reaction to this is because it's portrayed at times, again, for many different reasons, as being four different religions, the madhabs, as following a madhab. People think that it's one way is correct or this other one way is not correct. Again, I think what you're saying, Dr. Shahadi, is on point, is a refusal to accept that you have two different opinions. And within certain issues, they're matters of halal and haram as well. How can... Both of them be haq mm-hmm. and correct mm-hmm. simultaneously, but be completely contradictory at the same time. Yeah. So we say that they're furu'ah. They're not fundamentals. There's no, they're not fundamentals. The fundamentals of Islam are black and white. The furu'ah, the secondary matters, can have gray areas. So this goes back to you know what we distinguish as far as source and as far as implication, mm-hmm. thubut and dalala. 
So, Qat'iyu Thubun, Qat'iyu Dulala. Quran, Hadith Mutawatir. Five times a day salah, um, the prohibitions that are there, um, certain things which are fard. And then you have one level below that, Dhanniyu Thubut, mm-hmm. right? Uh, excuse me, Qat'iyu Thubut, but Dhanniyu Dalala. It's clear cut as far as its source, but as far as what exactly does it mean, there's... See, that's another problem with English and Arabic. The word dhanni, we translate it as like uh, speculative. speculative. But even speculative sounds it's like too, weak, it's too much, right? Yeah. Um, so how can somebody which is authentic... Yeah, probably. How can something which is authentic at the same time be speculative no, you, as far yeah. as what is it means? You could but, say it carries a multiplicity of meaning. That's really right. what it means. That's it really means. what it means. It's yeah. really what it means. So anything Carol. which is not qata'i essentially is yeah. dhanni. It doesn't necessarily mean dhanni is weak. Yeah. Or, you know, shady or anything else like that. Example of that would be, uh, what does hadith mean, right? The people who purchase instruments for certain types of speech, right? Does it clearly prohibit music through this verse or does it not, right? That's an issue. That's okay. As far as the Quran that's there, the verse of the Quran we have no issue with. But what exactly is that instruction referring to and who does it apply to, right? That's then after that you have, meaning the source of the information is not on the level of Quran or Hadith Mutawatir. Okay, it could be Mashur or Ahad or somewhere in the chain there's some reason for it not to be on the level of a massively transmitted piece of information. It can also be of that type of a source, but the meaning is 100% clear. Yeah. Example of that is the Adhan. Mm-hmm. Example of that is the Adhan. It's something that you did not have to hear something directly from the Prophet ﷺ. Everybody was doing it. Everybody knows it. But the original source and the original origin of the inception of the Adhan into the Sharia is not from Quran, is not yeah. something from Hadith Mutawatir. Right? There's a couple of Sahabi radiallahu anhum and things like And then the last one, Dhanniyudhalala, is where the source of it, okay, there's not on the level of Hadith Mutawatir or Quran. And also the meaning of that's where yeah. you're gonna have and you're supposed to have differences of opinion and that's why people should you know be a little bit practical it goes back to the point that i made earlier the prophet ﷺ wasn't given a hundred thousand volume book of all the issues and questions and answers that are going to come up until the day of judgment the beauty of this deen and the beauty of the differences of opinion is that it doesn't become stagnant and yeah. it doesn't become irrelevant and it doesn't become obsolete it's principles that will stay the same, but the application of those principles based on context, based on lifestyle, based on urf and custom, and based on a whole bunch of other different factors, okay, will look different, will or, be presented differently. So I, I have a quick question. Yes. So the the way that differences of opinion come about, it's not, uh, obviously, you can't have a difference of opinion on something that's absolutely clear. The mm-hmm. things that are less clear or that are, can be interpreted is where the differences of opinion come up. The reason those differences actually occur is methodological, methodological, right? Yes. So it's not just, well, I feel like reading it this way, but it's yeah. actually, there's a structure. Mm-hmm. There's a, uh, can, can you guys explain some of that? Like, what is that? I'll give you an example. Right. Uh, when we say the sunnah, Quran and sunnah, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the sunnah has branches. It's not all the same. You have your right. mutawatir hadith. You have your, uh, for Malik, the amal of Ahl Medina, which means the, what the first three generations of scholars agreed upon. Uh, you have your single Sahih Hadith, which, by the way, people can grade differently. You have your Sahih Hadith, but the narrator didn't act upon it. Another category of Hadith. You have your uh, Da'if Hadith, which are so many that they become Hasan Li Counted as a good a good meaning. 
even though all the individual hadiths are weak, right? Chains are weak. So how do we order these things? What do we prioritize? Then you have your Quran, of course. And then what? how do they interact? So what happens if there's an exception given th- to a Quranic verse through a hadith? What if the hadith is mutawatir? What, it's, what if it's sahih? So all of these interactions and these uh, um, sources, the, all these different sources, have to be studied first what they are, and then secondly, how they interact with one another, and thirdly, or really that's thirdly, secondly is the priority. What do you prioritize? Imam Shafi didn't consider the amal as a source at all. And he considered that the Sahih Hadith and the Mutawatir Hadith and the Quranic verse as a source are all uh, equal as a source. Right. So say, well, say that one, one more time. He didn't. So Imam Shafi. Imam Shafi did not consider the amal, the precedent set by the scholars of Medina, to be a source, period. Imam Malik considered it the highest source after the Quran. Mutawatir. Sure. In, yeah. By the amal, we mean in their practice, not necessarily in their books. No, we mean that the, yeah, what the, uh, first three generations of scholars, the majority were upon in Medina, because the Prophet Sallallahu blessed, talked about Medina, and he talked about the first three generations, and he talked about the scholars. So Imam Malik combined all these three, and he said, what the scholars of Medina in the first three generations agree upon, that is mutawatir knowledge. He put it up at the category with the Quran and with the Mutawatir. It's hadith. impossible for these people to get it wrong. <laughs> exactly. At this, in this city, right. in this time period, within one century, with this, with their learning, it is impossible for them to be incorrect on any issue if they are all agreeing upon it. And we're talking about thousands of scholars, not just, not, not a small city here, right? Thousands. Imam Shafi said, this is not a source at all. I'm not legislating with this source from this source at all, period. Okay. So there you go. That's a huge difference. And let me give you a huge difference that Malik and Shafi agreed on something and Abu Hanifa differed with them. A huge difference. That Malik and Abu Hanifa and Shafi held that the Quran and the Sunnah, however they define the Sunnah, are legally speaking equal. They carry equal legal weight. Right? Well, Abu Hanifa said, no way. The Quran is far superior legally speaking. So if a single hadith Offers an exception to the Quran, I won't follow. A single hadith, we mean khabar wahid, yeah. where or even mustafid, yes. right? Mm-hmm. Mashur or mustafid. So do you mm-hmm. guys have? So these are a lot of technical Arabic terms. Do you guys have an example? Let me give you an example. Sure. What, you want to give an example on the? Um, just go to a madrasa so you can understand. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, I mean, because the thing is, that people are listening on audio, right? Like, I mean, not okay. Let me just give you an example real quick, and then uh, Mufti, you can correct me if I'm mm-hmm. wrong. I'm not. I don't think I'm wrong, but. I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure I'm not. No, bismillah. So in the Hanafi madhab, this, there's a single hadith, basically non-mutawatir hadith, right? Which states that if Eid falls on the Jum'ah, okay, then you have a choice to pray Jum'ah or not that day. Cause you already came to the masjid, you saw the Jum'ah. You can pray Dhuhr at home. Now, this is a single hadith. A Shafi'i says, then to Mukhayr. In a Shafi'i and Ahmad say, you're Mukhayr. You can, Pray Jama'ah if you want. Otherwise, you pray Dhuhr when Eid falls on a Friday. Well, Abu Hanifa, Imam Abu Hanifa, radiallahu ta'ala, he said that uh, this is a sahih hadith. The obligation for Jama'ah came in the Quran. The single sahih hadith is not going to offer an exception or override the obligation that came from the Quran. Right. right. So he rules against this. Malik as well, so that's his reasoning for ruling against it. Malik rules against it as well for a different reason. The Amal. Right? He said, yes, that hadith is there. It's sahih. But in the amal, they don't act upon that. So we won't accept it either. So the Malikis and the Hanafis agree on not accepting 
not acting upon that hadith, right, for different reasons. Right. Completely. So, so that, I mean, that, that makes a lot of sense. If right? I can just jump, go for it. Yeah. It's either the Shafi'is or the Hanbalis. I think it. I think it's the Hanbalis who say that the hadith applies only to people from outside of the city, and the locals still have to attend Jamaat. Oh, okay. so it's a Subhan third a third reason not that. to act upon it. Yeah, Subhan. because they travel an hour to get to Eid, and they travel another hour home, so, and then another hour to get yeah. to Jumaa. Right? So that's actually called tafsir, where he separates, he splices the uh, uh, applicability yes. based upon circumstance, and that's beautiful. Tafsir is always really a great thing, right? So tafsir of an issue is when you separate when it's applicable and when it's not. Okay. But basically, what I wanted to say is. After all, after the years spent uh, studying, okay, what it has arrived me at is to to not be overconfident with your own judgment on things. These this scholarship is so vast, okay, and to not be overconfident. And what it's actually led me to, with so people say, "Oh, you well, you have your own brain." I'll tell you, look, my own brain has arrived me at that. This is this discipline is so vast, right, and that the safest thing. Is to follow what is mashhur, right? In the opinions of the scholars, right? That's the safest thing, right? You know. So then I'm a, I'm gonna arrive at two different things based on that. Yeah. Um, one, I mean, it, it makes a lot of sense that you know each each of the madhabs, right? And it's not just one person. It's not just Imam Malik arrived at this, but rather uh, a mm-hmm. consortium of scholars. Are, you know, who we call the school of, uh, of Medina, right? Mm-hmm. Or the Maliki school arrived at these opinions mm-hmm. and they arrived based on certain, um, methodologies, right? Yeah. So, for example, you mentioned Imam Abu Hanifa, uh, he took the Quran as precedent over, you know, Ahad Hadith, mm-hmm. right? Imam Shafi took, you know, so, so every single person had, uh, like Imam Malik took the, the, the amal of Ahlan, amal of Medina, right? Mm-hmm. The the practice of the people of Medina as as a precedent. The agreement of the scholars of the first two generations of Medina, yeah, Medina. as a precedent, mm-hmm. yeah. and it makes sense, right? Each person has a different way of interpreting. Mm-hmm. So then, you know, uh, a person might ask, you know, why can't I just, you know, like you mentioned, if it's in essence not wrong to mix the opinion of Imam Shafi yeah. and Imam Abu Hanifa. Why can't I just do that? That's what I'm you saying. You can do it. Go for it. I'll, yeah. I mean, if I consider you as like a reject student or as a beginner student, okay, I'll ask you to read from where you can read from, okay? Mm. So you pick an issue, a mas- mas'ala in fiqh. You give me the fatwa of all four imams. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You give me their proofs. Mm-hmm. And you give me each of them what is their wajh of tarji, what is their reason for giving right. preference and then we can talk. We can continue. Yeah. For, no, no, what you <laughs> All right. what you said you was... Be, billah, you be the judge yeah. to see whether they got it right or not. Yeah. Okay. That's exactly it. Do it. It's fine. Go for it. Mm-hmm. Bring me right. the... Firstly, yeah. the evidences that they use. Ijtihad isn't close. Yeah. Right? It's not. But go on. Go for it. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, the, the retort <laughs> yeah. would be something that some uh, a Salafi sheikh told me, I want to say... Maybe almost twenty years ago, uh-huh. which was at your level. <laughs> what did you say? What did he you said mean? at your level. You're not just. You can't be a muqallid. You have to go and weigh the the different uh, the different fatawa and the evidences yeah. and choose the one that most convinces you. I was like, I don't even, I, I don't even know Arabic. What are you talking about? <laughs> and, and he was like, Well, but you know enough that you can sort through this and you have aqal and you can you can figure it out, right? Yeah. 
And I was like, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> so many people so, are so educated. Go for it. So the word mukallis he used, right? Taqlid, which means... Taqlid comes from the word qalada, um, which means to like tie a camel. So the best way um, I can explain it would be like bound by precedent. Okay? Mm-hmm. Does, I mean, I don't like the word follower or blind. It's you're bound by precedent. There's an established practice and a tradition that has been passed down. And the precedent includes the framework and includes the fatawa. And it also includes, you know, the certain unique opinions within the school that devolve that individuals have. But who has to do that and who doesn't have to do that? Okay. And there's ittiba. Ittiba mm-hmm. is where most mashayikh are at. You might need so, to provide like a glossary. Okay, yeah. Ittiba so it, it, is what he was telling me yeah. <laughs> as a like basic student. <laughs> Ittiba is basically, so you, you, you have your, uh, your, you have your, uh, mujtahid, he said, and you have your muqallid. Somewhere in the middle is most other imams, which are, they are, uh, understanding the evidences, right? But not at the level of grading them, right? So yeah, I can tell you the, 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 the evidences and why, uh, Imam Malik thinks, uh, ex- uh, held this conclusion and why it's a mashhur of the madhab and even what some of the critics Within the madhab, differed with, right? Differed with him on it, for example. On some issues. That doesn't mean necessarily that I can be the referee and say, listen, this is better than this, right? That's ridiculous. So just people don't even realize there's evidences and proofs. They're two different things. The evidence is the, is this, this material that's used, the verses and hadith used. And then the proof is how you constructed it. Right. And arrived at uh-huh. your, and many people are educated in a certain field, like marketing or, Science or business or whatever that the, that uh, they render themselves also educated in Sharia, right? Mm-hmm. Which is a total different discipline, yeah. and there's no respect for the discipline. This is yeah. why I'm telling you, what needs to spread is a lot of uh, uh you know young students of knowledge and young scholars. Yeah, you know. I mean, Subhanallah, I feel like. uh I need to take several courses just to understand what <laughs> this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, so let me let me add let me add something to this right here. Um. So we use the word mujtahid, someone who does ijtihad. Basically, someone who can deduce the rulings, the ahkam, from the sources. Right? Yeah. Somebody who is a mujtahid right, and is able to do ijtihad, they're not allowed to follow anybody else. Mm-hmm. right? They themselves will go and they will practice upon it based on their ability to extract the ruling. Taqlid, okay, taqlid is where you are following somebody if you're not a mujtahid. So taqlid is basically what time does asr start? Oh, Imam said the asr starts at this time, so I'll just pray asr when the Imam says asr starts. And we do this, by the way, in everything else, but when it comes to deen and when it comes to the sharia and fiqh specifically, everybody becomes a mufti, everybody becomes a PhD, a doctoral laureate, and subhanAllah, you have, I'll give you an example, an extreme example, but just to hopefully drive this point home, you have a daughter, okay, who is sick and who hasn't been able to sleep or who hasn't been able to keep any food down. And you take this, per- you take your daughter to the child, to the hospital, the emergency room in the middle of the night. Now that doctor or that nurse who's there in the emergency room may be a person who is drunk or maybe have a completely failed relationship, maybe the most unethical, impious person, mm-hmm. right? Known in the community or even known to a group of people. But you have no other choice other than to trust that person's scholarship and that person's skill and expertise in that field. Yeah. You will hand the life of your sick daughter over to this person yeah. because you trust this person as far as being able to give care and first aid to your sick child yeah. is the only person that can do it. Okay. I mean, I could 
watch a couple of YouTube videos and do open heart surgery as well, but I'd rather not. Okay? People uh, people are muqallid when the sheikh says it's halal, right? <laughs> if he says it's halal, then they become muqallid. Oh, sheikh said. There's an opinion, that's it. <laughs> right? There's an opinion. And, I, and I, like I was, what I was saying is that uh, we need a lot of students of knowledge and young scholars and aimma out there because the only reason that people are talking like this, that they have no respect for the discipline, is that they haven't actually met a number enough aimma. Right, imams. So, like, for example, Boston, right, Massachusetts, you need like twenty Yasser Fahmis up there, right? And that way, nobody will talk out of turn. Way too many people are talking out of turn because there's no one to say, "Excuse me, stop." Right? Mm-hmm. There's, they're not. There's no one. There's some t- parts of town in the America. Co- the college students still. Oh my gosh, universities, unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Sorry, uh, <laughs> it's okay. no universities. That's, that's <laughs> another train wreck. So now I'm gonna throw a slight wrench in there, right? Mm-hmm. So. People will have like minor, sorry, people will have their school of fiqh that they follow, right? But, you know, I, I've heard this recently now, right? Is okay, you know, I stick to the Hanafi madhab, but in this specific thing, I follow a minority opinion. Yeah. Right. That's fine mm-hmm. if it, there's difficulty. Like, minority within the school or from another school? Both. Okay. With, if there's difficulty, you can go in. If there's a haraj. Well, couldn't you find like a minority opinion for just about everything? So that's the same thing, mufti yeah. nafs and shortcuts, yeah. right? Yeah. No discipline on your nafs at the end of the day. If you're following it, because based on your 30 years of research in Arabic and hadith and fiqh and tafsir and usul and aqidah and ahkam, nasik, mansuk, rajah, marju and all of that other stuff, yeah. that this is the haq, then follow it. Will be rewarded for it, but yeah. if you're just following because you don't want to take your socks off at a reserve yeah. area, then, <laughs> <laughs> then uh, you know, just buy some leather socks and buy yeah. some waterproof socks. I, I, okay, <laughs> all right. But I mean, by the way, to, just to piggyback off what Mufti just said, a hundred percent you don't know whether it's your nafs or your real necessity. A hundred percent you don't know that about yourself. If you're at the level where yeah. you can determine. Am I going for this because it's an absolute true necessity or because my nafs is, is calling is, me to it? If you're at yeah. that level, yeah, you're not a muqallid even in anything, right? Well, that's <laughs> because why you know you, yourself better than anyone. Is, and there, a pattern, have, is uh, there a pattern emerging here, yeah. right? As far for as, sure. Yeah. And that's why you have uh, consultation. <laughs> consultation. You consult, right? Mm-hmm. You discuss things. Mm. Yeah, there are exceptions to the rule, right? But the exception can never become the rule. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because right? I mean, uh, I mean there, there's... Recently, and there's even, you know, there was a famous talk on it recently about, you know, following minority opinions because, you know, of life and necessity and, you know, we live oh, in the West. Got, and and there's so much trouble. It's gotten so, so much trouble. Minorities? Yeah, minority. Fiqh. Not only that, I mean, like, so there's just two quick fatwas that I know mm-hmm. of yeah. that have caused so much harm to Muslims in the West. The first is, well, if there's no halal meat available, just eat the other meat, mm-hmm. right? First of all, it demotivated the entire that entire community from mm-hmm. ever establishing this as a as a their own slaughterhouses yeah. and raising. They just stuff. don't. They just yeah. never did. And I mean, I've lived in communities where there's a lot of Muslims that follow this opinion who drive. I've seen them in the supermarket buying packs of meat. I know where you live, and and to get to that supermarket, you drove past a halal butcher. Subhanallah. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Yeah. 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 No, Allah has given us in the world vegans and vegetarians and extremists <laughs> from the kuffar. But, but to we, show us that it's doable. But but there's Muslims who love that meat. Uh, how can I not <laughs> eat? How can I not eat meat seven yeah. times a day, even if it's haram? It's yeah. not show everything is halal now. <laughs> and then the other one is the other one is, well, if it's so, if you have like a bunch of kids and nobody will rent to you, when has that ever happened? By the way, well, wait, or whatever. <laughs> if you have a bunch of kids and nobody will rent to you, then you have to buy a house on interest and yeah. just make sure. 
But by the way, the details are you can't do anything other than pay that mortgage off. Like you can't go to the movies, you can't yeah, take yeah. vacation, you can't buy mm-hmm. expensive stuff. Not take a thirty-year mortgage and pay yeah. interest forever. Mm-hmm. See, fatwa will never replace taqwa, right? Uh, indeed, that, that's, 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 the, the default is taqwa at all times. I'm gonna have that T-shirt made. No, <laughs> the, 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 we gotta have that the, quote in the last one. He just said, "What do you say?" Allah gave us the vegans to show us that it's possible. <laughs> Do it. It's very doable right. to because live without eating that much and meat. other extremists. <laughs> no, the default the default is taqwa, right? You take your socks off if you have to yeah. do, we'll do, right? And but if fatwa is there when taqwa is not practical, not possible, mm-hmm. you have a valid excuse, right? But that's the exception to the rule, and it has to remain the exception to the rule. And yeah. you know, sometimes I, I, not every person is able to determine whether this will apply to you or not. I'm I'm honestly I love being around people who are enthusiastic. About the dean, and they're really enthusiastic about doing it right because there are some cultures that are just such downers about dean. Mm-hmm. They're such downers. They don't want to do nothing, right? They want to put zero effort, right? And have you? Did you imagine an army where the soldiers are like, oh, I really don't want to do this, right? I don't want to. Yeah, imagine an army like, here we go, let's go, let's do it, right? There's you got two cultures. You got people who are enthusiastic, and that's why, honestly, when you're hanging around with some uh, some of these Salafis. Okay. Mm-hmm. At the very least, they have a give you. They're really beneficial in spreading the enthusiasm, mm-hmm. even if you disagree with half of the, what they're doing, right? <laughs> and it's distasteful, okay, yes. and wrong, <laughs> okay. But at least they got the enthusiasm right, right? <laughs> they're confident. They love it. I remember sitting. They with, wear it proudly in public. Right? Uh, yeah, proudly yeah. in public. I remember one time there was a selfie yeah, conference, and I said to myself, "You know what? I'm going to go." Okay, <laughs> and I just went to see because I haven't been around these people for a long time. And these were the hardcores, not regular selfies, right? Madkhali, Madkhali selfies. Saleh, Saleh, Saleh. Tune in in two weeks to know what that means. Exactly. So everyone was wearing super short thobes and running sneakers, right? And everyone had it was very enthusiastic. Okay. Now, when I sit, sat there in the lobby, I was sitting chit-chatting with some guy, and uh, he didn't know who I was. Obviously, they would have thrown me out if they did. So he go, he comes, his friend comes into him, and he's recently bought his books. He just bought his books from the market, or whatever. And he's like, "I got my Ascalani, baby!" Right? He was pumped. Okay. Oh, <laughs> okay. Oh, right? oh, wow. And he's like, and the other guy's like, "Put it down. Show me. Show me. Show me." Right? And he's like, Ibn Hajar, right? And he's pumped. He's pumped about his scholars, right? He's pumped about knowledge. Ibn Hajar was a Shafi'i, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> and an Ashari as well. All right? Tanzihi. Please continue. Okay. Salafis, if they knew his Aqidah properly, they wouldn't be Salafis then, right? If they followed him in, in, in Asma and Sifat. No, they, I'm sure they have some poorly produced book boulderized somewhere of where, course where he took it back no they'll say uh, on his deathbed he changes money yeah so that's Allah, what they always Allah say. spelled with three L's and two A's yeah. <laughs> so but th- but what I what I all ass <laughs> what I loved about it is the enthusiasm right I just thought to myself subhanallah if you want you can go to other people and uh, other cultures and they would be such downers about everything right mm-hmm. as soon as you say well this is in the deen they're gonna say well do you really have to do that Right. Well, you don't have to do that. And they'll paint you as an extremist because you have some kind of enthusiasm. And we're not saying one's, we're not saying we're better than people, but we want to be enthusiastic about the deen. And we don't want to be extremists either. We want to be balanced, right? We want to be balanced, but we need some enthusiasm, right? To take, she, uh, Dr. Shadi, to far, taking your enthusiasm point a bit further though, as far as not to refute it, but to just share a different perspective about it as far as our topic. 
is when we talk about the Sharia, when we talk about the sources of the deen, and even when we talk about all these different controversial issues that need to be addressed and because of lack of knowledge, lack of scholarship, and lack of resources in the Muslim community, we're in you know all the confusion that we are in. As far as the validity of the deen and following madhabs and taqlid and ishtihad and all of the different topics, they're not emotional at all. They are all perfectly logical mm-hmm. and valid. From a purely objective perspective, you're able to appreciate why it makes sense and why any other alternative will just cause you more confusion and will just lead you running in circles. Whenever people get emotional mm-hmm. about fiqh discussions or aqidah discussions, yes. it's a sign of jahl. Right. It's so of- that enthusiasm and wanting to practice the deen, learn the deen, and you know, be a good mu'min and all that's. But when it comes to you know, that, what will that lead to? If it's not paired with knowledge, yeah. right? Is ignorance. The, there was what, what did we see the other day? The uh, oh, that law. Did, did I? I posted that law one what time. Law? It was one of these laws, like Murphy's Law or whatever, and it was the um, amount of emotion in an argument. Is uh, you said that? Yeah, it was. was directly inverse. Directly in inverse or di- disproportion or in 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 inverse proportionality to the truth of yeah, or to yeah. the amount of information at hand, right? No, no, no. But you said it in regards to um, what was it? Something good. It was from it was from our recent podcast. It was like it's inversely proportional to the amount of. Uh, I can't remember. What yeah, it's like inversely proportional to the amount of knowledge that someone has. Yeah. yeah right. So the amount of information. That's why, like, uh, what's his name's joke? Uh, what's the comedian from? Oh, subhanAllah. Azhar. Azhar Osman. His joke is that Google has basically brought an end to so many arguments, right? Because the fact is the information's right there. <laughs> so if you had information, you don't need to have an emotional argument. Mm-hmm. And if you are two people, both knowledgeable and informed, and you have polar opposite opinions on things, you would at least recognize the value of the intellect in front of you and his work that he put in and respect it for that and realize you're not going anywhere. He's not going anywhere. So agree to disagree, right? And don't right. even go there. And that's the, to, to, to look at in terms of within, within Sunni debates and whatnot. When I look at Yasir Qadi, someone like Yasir Qadi, he's a lot like that. Like, uh, the one that I know is the, the contemporary one from recently. Because that's my only exposure to him. When he was re- like uh, on fire before that, I was in England, so I wasn't even aware of that. But what I saw is someone, he's got his opinion. He knows what your opinions are, right? He knows that there's certain p- points that they're never going to agree upon, and he respectfully disagree, right? And don't even go there. Don't even argue. What's the point of arguing? I'm not going to change your opinion. You're not changing my opinion, right? Right. And that to me, I respect, he, respect, he realizes what knowledge is. He respects it. And uh, there's no arguing. Right. right, you know what I'm saying. So it's when there's jahl, there's arguing, and we already established that there has to be, you know, a room for differences of opinion yeah. all the way up until qiyamah. Otherwise, it's and not actually, going to survive. And something else, which is one of the reasons that people argue, is they don't recognize what's a foundational issue and what's a secondary issue. Mm-hmm. And the jahl and the jahl is in elevating a secondary issue to a primary issue that's worth fighting over, breaking relationships over, all that stuff. And it's a secondary issue. It's not even a fara'i issue, right? So that's the thing. You, you be emotional, but as far as our deen is concerned, it's all completely logical and rational. So the question, the argument, um, how can all four be haq, but also be clearly differing on certain issues as far as haram, halal and haram are concerned? How can four, which are clearly different, four different opinions, all be yeah. the same haq? Or all be different versions of the hub. 
So there's actually seven different qiraat of the Quran, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And you don't even read the one from Medina Munawwara. Yeah. The most well-known one in the world is the one from Kufa, Asim Kufi. So it's seven more of a difference of yeah. opinion. Okay, and, go on, write down. If you write down for me that you're not going to read the Quran today anymore because there's seven differences of opinion, then yeah. fine. I'll reject following one of the four mothers. No. <laughs> hey, hey, how about this? What if, what is the ruling on reciting with all seven however you wish? Right? Mixing it all yeah. up. Right? Why did you end you up picking one anyway? You have to pick one, right? <laughs> now here's the thing, when people talk about fundamentals and secondary, people don't realize the most, we differ on the first ayah of Quran. The first Allah. ayah of the Quran. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Bismillah, Rabbil Alameen. Right? Here we go. So is, Shaz- is, is Bismillah part of the Quran yeah, or not? Is Bismillah yeah. Rahman Rahim the first ayah of Fatiha or is it not? And the Madahib differed on that. Mm-hmm. Right? So Abu Hanifa and Malik. We're right. right. Had the, <laughs> they, they had the, they had the opinion that it's Basmala is not part of it. And Shafi'in Ahmed did. Right. So, I mean, uh, so, yeah, exactly. So are you telling me that every, the Imam Malik, Imam Abu Hanifa, mm-hmm. and everybody that followed them have never recited properly? That's basically They're the all, implication. They, no one has ever prayed. <laughs> we'd, we'd need, uh, Tariq Amir here to, uh, to, to, to well, cipher that from the Shafi'i. No, this halal and haram argument that yeah. these are things one is saying is halal halal and the other one is saying it's haram. There's 124,000 prophets. Okay. And they had their own sharia as well. So we uh, had, it was, it was it, was it okay. Is it permissible to get married to your sister in the sharia of Adam alayhi salam? Yes. Yes. Yeah. But is it shari- permissible in the sharia of Rusul sallallahu alayhi wasallam? No. no. So do you reject Adam alayhi salam then as a prophet of Allah? Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> So that question is called ta'addud al-haq. Right? Yeah. Here, we okay, doing sajda to a person, right, was permissible in the sharia of Yusuf alayhi salam, right? Right. Mm-hmm. That's true. Is it permissible to do sajda ta'zim in the sharia of Rasul sallallahu alayhi salam? No. Absolutely mm-hmm. not. Yeah. But if it had we, been. So good. So do, so do, do we accept Yusuf alayhi salam? Yeah, of course. But do of we course. follow his Sharia? No, no. It's there. It's an issue of nasik and mansuk, basically an abrogation mm-hmm. and an abrogated issue. Here we have, we accept all four, right? But you choose to follow one. It's an issue of rajih and marju, preferred versus giving preference to another one. Yeah, it's the same logic. Okay, over there is a difference in time period. Here's a difference in area and location. And people need to people need to go back to the motivation yeah. of why people study fiqh in the first place. Mm. Yeah. The fiqh is the first medicine of the heart. It is the first solution of problems. Is studying fiqh. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think if you if you look at that, that's part of the beauty of it, right? And that's why there's it has appeal to literally all of humanity, right? Because these differences are kind of built in so that you can encompass all of humanity into this deen. Yeah. As opposed to something like if you look at, not to pick on them, but like if you look at Jews, right? They're... Their uh, jurisprudence is very like strict and legal, and it's constricted them as like a uh, a religious population, right? Yeah. Like they're very small because everything is about these these very these rules. rigid rules, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's something that you know, if you look at Islam, is is broad in appeal yeah. in that way. And also, uh, Allah Azza wa Jal has kept them on the earth with there's such rigid rules to also show the Muslims that it's doable, right? Here they are. They have all these rules, and yet they still make all this money, right? And still have all this influence, <laughs> right? So don't worry if you have rules, right? Subhanallah. By the way, just you know? to just uh, to support Saad's point, you know the most popular madhab numbers wise is Hanafi the Hanafi madhab, mm-hmm. and then followed by Maliki. the Maliki school. 
then the too strict, like more literal, very strict about all these like legalistic mm-hmm. details, they're like fading. Yeah, they're small, smaller. It's getting down smaller. to the two of us. Yeah. Just, this is like this is uh, there can only be one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so and there's this, there was, another movie quote. So yeah. there's the there's the statement attributed to Imam Hanifa, rahmatullahi wa When someone asked what's the definition of fiqh, and he said ma'rifatun nafs ma'laha wa ma'alaiha. Recognizing yourself, what's good and bad for it, yeah. which also encompasses ilm tasawwuf. Yeah. Tasqiyat to nafs. Right. Right. So then, uh, yeah. right? Subhanallah. So then, um, you know, now, like we mentioned, um, you know, the four schools of thought. Now, what gets really confusing for a lot of people is, you know, we mentioned like Albani, right, in the beginning mm-hmm. of the podcast. And, you know, we have like this idea of the Salafis and the Madhkhalis, and, and it really throws a wrench into the whole, like, you know, four schools of thought thing, right? Because yeah. you have. Many times Salafis claiming, okay, they're the they're from the Hanbali madhab. Mm-hmm. But like, what is what does this mean? Like, uh, uh, for me, this is very confusing. Is it? Um, are are there? Is is it very clear cut what the Hanbali madhab is? What is the Salafi madhab? Like, what? Mm. So the I, answer the answer to the first one, yes, there is a clear cut Hanbali madhab. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. But the answer to the second, <laughs> see, I don't, I don't like in, unless you were talking just anecdotally about things. I never like to talk about. Um, uh, such certain contemporary groups that have so many different shades of gray within them, mm-hmm. right? But uh, what I'll tell you is that, uh, like Mufti just said, there is a, a clear cut Hanbali madhab. And the Hanbali madhab within itself is the, um, least uniform in its transmission. Yes. You'll always see the statement in one of the two opinions, right? Of, that came down in the Hanbali madhab. Now, Shafi, yes, he had his, beginning book he wrote in Iraq and then he wrote another book in Egypt the early and late school yeah the early and late school but that's someone who doesn't really know the Shafi'i Madhab the Shafi'i Madhab has coalesced in the opinions of Imam Nawi and Imam Rafi' okay so where they agree that's the mashur of the Madhab okay uh, for the Madhab school it's pretty much still goes back to Imam Madhab directly his straight his tra- uh, fatwa on matters um, but now in the Hanbali school you will always see this right and like contradictory opinions exact opposite Okay, and we we would need a Hanbali expert to to come in on that. Actually, uh, Jack uh, Jonathan Brown is Hanbali, right? He yeah. studied Hanbali. Off the top of my head, it's just because Imam Ahmed bin Hanbal had more to work with because yeah. of his time. And he came later and, on, so he had the yeah. previous three schools and their fatwas and their students as his teachers up until that point. And so. he never had the intention of building a school, right? Yeah, he actually didn't. And Imam Tabari never considered Hanbali, ah, Imam Ahmed to be founder of a fiqh school. In fact, at Tabariyin mm-hmm. or uh, uh, Ibn Jarir, Al Jaririyin. They considered Tabari to have a method. Because His followers Imam, were called Jaririyin. Imam Ahmad bin Hanbal was essentially a student of Imam Shafi'i, so it was yeah. just an extension of the Shafi'i Madhab, not its own unique set of yeah. usul or set of fatwa or set of um, rulings or anything else yeah. like that. Now, when we talk about the uh, Salafiyya in general, what we disagree with is a couple simple things. No, it's not the strictness. Strictness yeah. is found in the Shafi school. You can find strict Maliki. Yeah, strict and I didn't mean to pick on the Salafi. No, no, pro- I have no problem. Question, you you yeah. can pick on them. It's no problem. <laughs> I can pick on them. They, they have been picking on the rest of the Ummah for so long, right? That they've got it coming to them, okay? I'm I, telling I you. was the one picking on the Shafi's yeah. being strict. <laughs> <laughs> they have been tearing, their scholars have been tearing apart the four, the other three methods, right? For so many de- decades now, all right? But in any event, 
uh, alhamdulillah, there are allies when we have to fight the liberals and the reformists and the other semi half Mursad and all these. <laughs> but in any event, uh, when we talk about the Salafiyah, our main difference on the issue of Aqidah, right? Uh, the Asma and Sifat, the attributes, okay? They don't follow Imam Nawi on the issue of attributes. They don't follow Ibn Hajar on the issue of attributes. And Imam Nawi and Ibn Hajar are very crystal clear in their tenzi and their insistence upon saying that Allah Azza wa Jal Right, has munazahan uh, al-makani, or munazahan al-zamani, right, munazahan al-jiha, which means time, place, direction, wal-jism, bodiliness, tanzih on four matters. Time, place, uh, direction, movement, and bodiliness. On behalf of Maureen, yeah. who's gonna say it, can you define tanzih? Tanzih, <laughs> good we point. We defined that in a previous talk. Yeah, well, we'll just say it again for revision, uh, which is basically mean to, uh, be free from, purify. Right, free from time, free from bodiliness, free from direction and movement, and free from place. So that's number one. Number two is their elevation of secondary issues to become primary issues. Right, like they have elevated certain secondary matters to be primary issues. Like if you are raised in certain uh, Salafi environments, and again, again, I really don't like the generalization because your your average Egyptian Salafi is very different from your. Uh, the Philly selfies that you got, right? Uh, the beard will become like a pillar of Islam <laughs> and its length. The beard and its length and the thobe and its length becomes like a pillar of Islam. Wait, did we switch now to Hanafis? <laughs> <laughs> just, just kidding. No, no, we're not. <laughs> oh, and in, and, yeah. and that would be your, that would be Desi Hanafis, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Turkish Hanafis and Syrian Hanafis are uh, a little more total different, yeah. different world. So, uh, but that's secondary issues to become primary issues. That's mm-hmm. number one. And, uh, uh, so that's, that's really the, those are the main things. I mean, can you think of another major theme it's, well, I, besides me, that? Go, it, no, it's, it's they're, based on what I can observe off the top is their methodology when it comes to fiqh also. Oh, respect of the different madhahib. Yes. There, I, I, not I find even the madhahib, I don't even think it's limited to that though, but it's kind of because of, you know, maybe we can bring up uh, Muhammad bin Abdul Wahab as well and the kingdom of Saudi Arabia as well. But as a rejection to all of these other differences of opinion, and innovations, whatever they want that to mean for well, them. That, that's secondary that they've and elevated so, to primary. And too. so they now want to leave differences of opinion mm-hmm. and only accept and only go by what has been transmitted from the Quran in the first three generations. Maybe not even the first three, maybe only the first their, two. No, their first three. The people of their first three generations. Because and, and no, it, the, the claim that yeah. they're making is yeah. that we only are going to follow the Quran and the Hadith directly. Yeah. And we're not going to follow anybody else's ijtihad or anybody yeah. else's fatwa. So you have a brother that you will meet in a masjid. He comes to you with his pocket translation of Sahih al-Bukhari, right? which is actually the abridged version. Okay. And, you know, he shows you the hadith, all right, um, you know, this is the hadith of the Prophet Wasallam. this is the verse of the Quran that says, you know, what you're doing and the way you're praying is wrong. Say, no, now you, <laughs> so now, okay, fine. I mean, we take our deen seriously. We want to follow it, practice it properly. <clears throat> Mashallah. So the brother in the masjid shows you this page of the Quran, this via, this verse, this is what it means. This is a translation, this hadith of the Prophet Wasallam. this is a translation, this is what it means. Okay, so now from that day onwards, you're praying and you're following and you're worshiping in that way. You're not following the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, you're following your friend. Okay. You just made, you just made taklid of that guy. You just followed that guy, your madhab now. Okay. Yeah. And then basically the point that I want to lead up to is, uh, the madhab of Bukhari. Yeah. Whether they like to admit it or not, mm-hmm. um, if it's not in Bukhari, then that's it. Uh, I, that, and, and you could take that as a madhab, but recognize that it, that 
is not the be all and end all of everything. Well, even, so it's respective opinions. Yeah, and even even within that, there's still a, a, an usul that they're following, mm-hmm. which is different from because you have like a, open up the Mu'attib Imam Malik, right? He'll quote a hadith and never act upon it. That's true. Not That's because true. he didn't know it, yeah. but because he understood and interpreted it in a different way. So yeah. even if you see, so their, their usul is, we go directly by what the text says. And I don't know what their method is for dealing mm-hmm. with, you know, contradictions. Yeah. Well, well, the, or abrogations. Yeah. They're, the, the, the error is not realizing that. The conversation doesn't even make it that far when you end up speaking to one of them. It doesn't even make it that far. Yeah, the they're not even realizing that their methodology what, 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 is ichtihadi. Hmm, right. Ichtihadi means human effort went into that. No, of course, I had a barbershop moment. Absolute. Okay, I shaved my head last week. I had a barbershop moment um, in South Jersey. Subhanallah, Moin knows where this barbershop is. I'm not going to tell it. Okay, but Subhanallah, um, I was there. They asked a question, and we were just talking. I invited him to our masjid, and he asked me, um, you know. You know, what manhaj do they follow at your manhaj? Uh, so I said, uh, you know, we, we are of the Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah. I said, Aki, I have a problem with that. Okay. Um, I said, why do you have a problem with that? What's the problem? He says, I can only accept something which is from the first three generations. Otherwise, everything else is an innovation. So I said, okay, which masjid do you go to? He told me the name of the masjid. I said, do you guys have a microphone and a speaker there? Does the imam lead the prayer using a microphone and a speaker? He said, yes. So is there anything in the Quran or the first three generations about salah? Qiraat is far than salah. Yeah. What if the imam who's leading the prayer, it's not his voice, it's a reverberation of his voice. Is that valid for a follower? Show me something from the first three generations that your salah, either, either this is innovation, innovation and it's okay, right? So you just disqualified what you just said there, or it's not allowed to, yeah. right? Well, to, to be fair, he asked me the second question. Are yeah. you those people that say that Ali should have been the second Khalifa or the first Khalifa? I said, no. Wait, he doesn't know. <laughs> oh. Okay, he's where. So that, 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 that's <laughs> when the conversation ended. Yeah. He's like, are you those types of people? So, you know, Shit. I have a bit of a, a, a practical question. Because <laughs> we talked about not being, right, not, not the average person not being qualified to be a referee between, as you said, between these, these, these scholars and these madhaib. So for the average person, is it just a matter of you follow what your, your, your teacher, uh, follows or, you know, in terms of, let's say somebody is, is new to the deen, good, right? Good question. And they're looking at, or say, okay, I've got these four madahib and mm-hmm. which, which one do I, do I follow or, or, you know, which one do I study more into? Yeah. Right. That's more of a practical question when it comes when it comes to the uh, idea of like, okay, I'm not going to uh, figure out which one of these is right, but I have yeah. to kind of align myself. So with, I need to, I need to right, act today exactly. now. Yep. I need to do action now. Exactly. So I would, what I do is I never really introduce this subject matter of madhahib uh, to newbies, newbies, right? I don't, I don't even bring it up, right? If it comes up from them, then I could answer it, right? So I would just say, look, look at the teacher that you see that he's behaving at, uh, b- properly, that He's confirmed by others. And when you sit in his majesty, you feel that you're benefiting getting near to Allah. So the simple uh, uh, equation like that. And I always say, like, look, make sure that he has some peers. He should have peers. He should not be a lone wolf out there. Right? Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a sign of trouble. Someone who has no peers. He's just out there. He should always, like, like you ever see him interacting with other imams, right? Like mm-hmm. that. should always be like that. Right? He doesn't have to be part of a group, official group or anything, but he has peers. He's right. like validated, right? So, and then when you sit with him, you feel near to Allah and you're benefiting and you're learning. And that's it. Keep it simple like that. 
actually what how do you go about it not to make a pitch for the Safina Society Road Ahead program yeah. but um has this ever come up or how how have you dealt with it if at all Yeah you know it's very interesting so because we don't know who they meet outside of the masjid or right. after right? right or what they're going back to or yeah. what they may end up finding online and all that enthusiasm chances are zeal, mostly right? he doesn't have to because they usually married a daisy and they're going to be ahead of you by default right <laughs> <laughs> or, or, or oftentimes whenever the question just comes up like as a real like genuine curiosity what is it why about schools do we have to fo-? it's a very simple answer it's yeah this is the traditional way that people do it and if you find somebody that's going to tell you that no you can figure it out on your own you're sitting here you yeah. realize that you don't know as much as like a basic Muslim like me knows, and then the levels up before you can ever start considering making a, f- oh, a yeah. decision about a thick ruling. Yeah. You'll never get. You're gonna. It's gonna take you decades to get there. So the easy thing and the safer thing is to follow school. It's what I do. It's what Dr. Shadi does. It's what everybody I follow does, and it works fine for us. And I, and then I always add the caveat: you can just you know let your let your heart decide, and you realize what kind of people are telling you one thing and what kind of people are telling you something else, and yeah. you'll see that those people are generally unpleasant, harsh, mm-hmm. and judgmental. Yeah. And that's the beauty of having different madhahib, especially mm-hmm. in the context of somebody who's accepting Islam or coming into the deen. Um, depending on your family, depending on where you live, or maybe even also depending on what you do for a living, where you work, yeah. um, you know, that are certain factors. If you're in a position where you're actually choosing a madhahib, yeah. um, where you'd be able to appreciate some of the differences of opinion and things. But to your point about... I think it's blind following, right? People don't like the term blind following, yeah. right? It sounds very negative or it sounds like, um, weak or, you know, no. it's, 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 but you, to the point that you blind follow your doctor, yeah, exactly. you blindly follow your car yeah, mechanic, teachers, you blindly I, uh, follow everybody. Your school teachers, you blind follow. <laughs> you blindly I mean, follow. Somebody who's ignorant of something is necessarily going to have to follow something in order to not be ignorant of yeah. that thing. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and when I teach so, the, let's yeah. say youth or whatever conference, I never bring up the issue of madhabs. And at the same time, every madhab has some rulings that are very unique to it yes. that are in clashing with the other three and maybe even clashing with the dominant society. Day-to-day issues, yeah. Yeah, so I actually don't pass that on, mm-hmm. right? Because I don't want to put them in that situation. Mm-hmm. But I'll teach them the fiqh as I know it, right? Uh, obligations of wudu, obligations of the t- how to do tayammum, what requires it, etc. So they're going to be learning maliki fiqh. Mm-hmm. Without me saying it, yes. but I'm not going to teach them the few issues in Maliki fiqh that would be different from what they would see the rest of the Muslims doing, right. such as sadl yadain and not using the biha leather, requirement right. of the biha leather to pray with it on, mm-hmm. right? So those are two very unique questions. Well, right? on top of that, in Maliki fiqh, on top of that, when you're talking fiqh, especially fiqh uh, about that, it's almost all the same mm-hmm. across the yeah. madahib, right? Seventy-five percent, eighty percent. Yeah, there's very few differences. And yeah. hold on. Yeah. Yeah. So, if you say, like, okay, you don't teach, for example, the, the differing opinions between the other madhahib. No, I'm going to keep it very simple and say, listen, to make wudu, you need to do seven things, right? And that's clearly a That's for someone learning it brand new. Correct. What about yeah. someone yeah, yeah. who comes in, you know, typical Desi walks into yeah. your Maliki Masjid and he sees you praying with your hands down. Yeah. And he says, you know, why are you praying like that? Yeah. No, no you, like, what did you do at that point? If it no, if it's going to cause <laughs> <laughs> no, and if it's going to cause a confusion for people, and I know it's does, then I won't do it. Right. I didn't pray with my hands down for my first like three years at MBS until I got to know a lot of people and they got to know me and they understood who I was. Yeah, and there's a number of Malikis now there yeah. that do it, but but at the same time, uh, I don't uh, want to confuse people, yeah. right? And it's something that even within the method, the mashhur is said, but they do have kabat, right? 
And but, also, but, if I'm playing in the role and there's somebody next to me who I have no idea, and it seems like they might be the kind of person that'd be like, oh my God, there's a Shia next to me. Yeah. I won't do it. Yeah. Right? So, I'll close my own. Just because I don't want to freak people out and have them not concentrating on their prayers. Yeah. So the, uh, the Maliki have three questions that in daily life that are very unique to them. Number one, Sadlul Yadain is the Mashur method. And Ibn Abi Shayba has many hadith. Ibn Abi Shayba, teacher of Muslim, many hadith about Zubair ibn Awam, that he was the most similar in his salah to the Prophet and he never crossed his hands. So that many hadith, right? But they're just not in the Sahih and the Sunan, which is why people don't realize that. But that's the thing, we were not commanded to follow yeah. the Sahih or the Sunan anyway. Yeah. Just yeah. drop that in there. Okay. <laughs> so number two is the one taslima. That's the mashur. Mashur madhab is one taslim. Assalamu alaikum to finish your salah. If that's you did, if you did that. The view of the Shafi'i madhab too. Oh yeah. That that's. The, the second one is sunnah. Second one is sunnah. The third one is regarding the leather. When you pray with leather on you, it must be the leather of a dhabiha animal. So does that include like your watch and your wallet and stuff? Yes. It, really? It, if, it, according to Malik. my wallet and my watch and stuff yeah. all the time. According to Malik, the tanning, when the Prophet said that tanning, yutahir, yes. he meant, the, the Imam Malik understood it as, it cleanses it enough for use, like as water bags, mm-hmm. for use. But that is still nejis because it came from meta. Unless the animal was done dhabiha, was okay. slaughtered mudhakka, mm-hmm. right? Uh, slaughtered properly. Yes. Then its tanning becomes, everything is pure from it at that mm-hmm. point. So, and Imam Malik has one exception, is namely what the Sahaba did, donkeys. Uh, horses, when they would die, they would tan their uh, leather or their, their hides and use them. And he said that's the exception. But the rule is the meta, something that dies, is always not just tanning or otherwise. Mm. So that means that you would have to get a vegetarian belt, right? Now, <laughs> or but, just buy stuff from Turkey. Yeah, or, or <laughs> have really nice leather Anything goods. that you get from a Muslim country would consider dabiha. Yes. But the, uh, except for your khufain, which everybody buys from China, oh, yeah, except for true. the Turks. <laughs> <laughs> I have a really nice yeah, pair of mist. Turkish like lambskin ones. They're, oh, very they're, they're really nice. Yeah, yeah, they're really, the Turks are really uh, got good khufs. So that question, which again has a minority opinion that's of Madaki scholars who are against that opinion, but the majority one is not. So I don't, I won't teach those because here we go, here we go with the madahib. The issue of not causing confusion is very important in the community, right? I have an and example. Yeah, I have an example. Um, and this is an example of the tariq, finding common ground on particular issues. And this applies even when it comes to faraid. So for example, wudu, right? Wiping the head. So in Hanafi school, it's a quarter. Right? In the Shafi school, it's even only if it's a hair. Three hairs. In the Maliki school, the entire head must be wiped. Head, yeah. Okay. Um, so when I teach wudu, I just say, just wipe your whole head. And I don't say whether it's fard or sunnah. Because yeah. in the Hanafi school and even in the Shafi school, it is sunnah to wipe the whole head. As far as what the minimum fard requirement is concerned, there's a difference on that. Yeah. In the Maliki school, there is no, it's, it's, all of it. Otherwise, it's the fard is not fulfilled. But when you're teaching... Or when I teach, specifically this issue comes up when you have three different opinions, okay? Just say wipe your whole head. And <laughs> and and this is why on this issue of fiqh... At the end of the day, your wudu will be done according to everybody. That's true. Hey, on this issue in fiqh, and when I look at the different dawah groups out there mm-hmm. and the movements, one of the strengths of uh, the Salafi movement in general is that they have one fiqh, right? Mm-hmm. And one of the liabilities in traditional Islam is that it's very easy to be confused at the outset of what a method is and why Shafawa method. In the long term though, mm-hmm. right? In the long term, it's, it's stronger. 
It's not a liability. Long term, like three months. I can can jump in here and say that I became Muslim in East Orange. Mm -hmm. I was living there and I was going to Islamic Center of of, uh, East Orange. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, Ahl Sunnah. School yeah. Before it was before it was in the location now. So I'm going way back to when it wow. was on Lincoln Street. So in that in in that uh Armory? It was a house. Was no, it? before the armory. No, the armory is now. The yeah. armory is now, yeah. There was a house on Lincoln Street, that's where I took my shahada. That would have been uh nineteen ninety five. Ninety six? Even earlier. Wow. So, yeah. so before Abu Muslim came. Yeah, so um I but I remember when Abu Muslim came too. Yeah. Anyway, um <laughs> so I was there, Dawadib, then Ahmed Burkhani. Then Abu Muslim came, and uh, Abu Muslim has really been very beneficial for that community. Yeah, even though I'm he's sure very stable. I'm sure there's people stable. there that uh, feel like you know he's off the mid, but they feel that about everybody well, except their small circle. I, I actually so think, think he, I think, yeah, I actually think that over the years he's been a lot more willing to converse. I, I really, with people. yeah, I've, I I really like him too as an yeah. individual. He's a very nice guy and sincere. Yeah. Um. Anyhow, it's a it was a blessing from Allah that when I first became Muslim, <clears throat> I didn't have to hear about anything other than come to the masjid. Pray. Mm-hmm. Don't talk about attributes. Yep. By the way, it wasn't like these people are kafirs. These people, it was just we don't talk about that. We accept oh, okay. whatever Allah says. Yeah. It was like ve- that very simplistic, you know, yeah. very rudimentary, which is okay. It's good actually. When I you think first it's convert, excellent. For, yeah. It's very good. It's a good. Yeah. It's a good introduction. Mm-hmm. Um, it took me longer than three months to break away. <laughs> <laughs> and when I did, I, uh, it, it was a bit of a transition. But Alhamdulillah, I've never seen someone uh, educated in the system of madhab uh, leave them. But I have seen someone educated in the system of anti-Medahib no, enter course. into them. So yeah. the retention element. Mm-hmm. But uh, what I'm saying, so my it's point is like how though, people convert from other religions to Islam, but nobody leaves yeah. Islam to become a, a Christian or a Hindu yeah. or something. They just leave Islam to be ex-Muslims who right. want to annoy Muslims to get attention. <laughs> well, there's like that one guy. <laughs> <laughs> that guy was mus- wasn't Muslim already. Before yeah, no. <laughs> the one guy who was part of the... Nabil, whatever. The, uh, no, not that guy. The Mariamiya guy. The yeah, group? that's what I'm saying. He already oh, was yeah, a Muslim. Yeah, yeah. The guy, yeah, the perennialist guy who yeah, was, he already uh, was a Muslim. Yeah. I forget his name. <laughs> Would, yeah. Perennialism is not Islam. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry, it's not. And that's the biggest proof there is. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, all right, so I have a question about uh, Fikman. Yeah. Um, so we talked about people like picking like minority opinions, and you mentioned like, okay, like when you teach, you teach, okay, like wiping the whole head, for example, because it's farther than all of the schools of thought. Could someone who's like very enthusiastic, right, create their own like, Version of the fic who is just picks the hardest thing in oh, all of the okay. mudhubs, so we that are, I already clears everything. I actually already came across that. And by the <laughs> really, way, really, this is actually like, very interesting. Like, have you, you know you've never. Saying, like, I, I'll tell you about this. Sheikh Abdul Wakil al Durubi of Damascus. Yes, wow. Sheikh Abdul Wakil al Durubi. He's the chef. He's the teacher chef of fic of Sheikh Noor. He's he's the teacher who reviewed with him the Reliance. Okay, Reliance of the Traveler. He taught him the Reliance of the Traveler, right? And you can see Sheikh Abdul-Rakid Durubi's uh, Ijazah at the beginning of the Reliance. Oh, the is that him? That's him. Oh, subhanAllah. Okay. Sheikh Abdul-Rakid Durubi would then go and he eliminated from his practice what is forbidden in the Shafi Madhab, then what is makruh in the Shafi Madhab. Then he went to the Hanafi Madhab and eliminated what is forbidden in the Hanafi Madhab. And then what is makruh in the Hanafi Madhab, and I don't know how far he got, but I think he got to all four schools, such that if he had made a mishia, so knowledgeable, that if he had made an error in Salah in any of the four schools, he would do Sajjah Sahu. Right? And he had avoided the prohibitions and the makruhat of all four madhabs. So that is an element of the talfiq, or the mixing of the madhabs, which is... But is that a requirement? Lev- no, no, that's water. That's, that's not a requirement, but that's water. 
Right. That's, that's so, a, by the way, I would actually say that that's not even fit. That's the self. That's the self, yeah. At, At that, that point, point. That's seeking that's not to, are. not to, uh, do anything which Allah might consider forbidden or disliked yeah. in, by any of the major scholars. That's taqwa. It's not fatwa. When Al, when Al, uh, Habib Omar uh, was young, he was in his masjid and he had done Sajid Sahu after Salat al Asr or Dhuhr. And Habib Omar went to him and said, uh, Hafizahullah, he went to him and said, uh, Sheikh, you did not make a mistake. Why are you making uh, sahu? And he knows we're both Shafi'i because Yemen and Shem are Shafi'i. And he said, no, but in the Hanafi madhab, I had done X, Y, and Z in the Hanafi madhab that would require Sajid Sahu. And I, if I make an error in any of the four madhab, I do the sahu. Mm-hmm. So that in the sight of Allah Azza wa Jal, his actions are actually in accordance with all the fuqaha. Mm-hmm. I imagine that level of wara. Right, and wow. it's just as a technical thing for people who are listening and might have this question: mm-hmm. if the 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 Shafi'i madhab would control in his case because that's the madhab that he's upon. So if there's a contradiction, if there's like you can't do satisfy that requirement in the Hanafi school and also follow Imam mm-hmm. Shafi'i and his mashur, then you obviously follow your Imam. No, so that's how he is a Shafi'i, right? In the referee of the in those mutually exclusives, right? Because right. so he, for instance, he prays Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, mm-hmm. right? He's not yeah. dropping the Bismillah because yeah. of the Hanafi and Maliki opinion yeah. or uh, you know things of that nature. So that, that that's where you know you need to have that guidance and you need yeah. to have somebody who knows what they're talking about, otherwise. Um, you're again. This is a very common thing that we bring up many times. You're at a grocery store, okay, and you're collecting your change from the cashier who's serving you, a woman, okay. Skin contact, okay. I'll follow the opinion of Abu Hanifa. My wudu's not broken, mm. okay. And then um, you get to the masjid, all right, and you know you trip or something like that, okay. You cut yourself, you're bleeding, okay, I'll follow the opinion of Imam Shafi, blood is not, not the wudu, doesn't break yeah. your wudu. No, you don't have wudu on either, man. Yeah, right, <laughs> but yet at the same time, you still have your wudu, right? Yeah. So, that's Mufti Nafs for you. Yeah, yeah Mufti Nafs right there. <laughs> and that's, uh, that I guarantee you, that only happens in areas where there's no scholar, right? Where people just start making, doing mm-hmm. things on their own. And, mm-hmm. no, well, and if, if you think in medicine, right? That first, that first portion, though, Sheikh, is the only way to be a Shafi in America. Oh, of course. Well, that's the Rura and Haraj. I follow the Hanafi mm-hmm. opinion. Well, that's why, that's why we said when you asked about following different methods and, and minority opinions, mm-hmm. it's totally acceptable if there is a need, like a, a life will not be the same unless I do this. By the way, I'm exaggerating because I know a lot of, I know plenty of Shafi's are strict and they won't do that. They won't take that. Uh, no, they exception. still follow that here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Even, even, even married ones somehow. Wow. Just make them do all the time. Wow. Subhanallah. So, so what I was saying is, uh, what was I just saying right now? Sorry. No, you were giving okay. the story of, uh, the Ruby. No, I finished that. Yeah. Anyway. was talking about the, oh, you were saying that necessity versus. Oh, yeah. So you can follow a minority if there's a necessity or a need, mm-hmm. right? And the important thing is to realize that, uh, this matter should never be one of confusion. The madhahib. As soon as you find some, my advice to people, as soon as you find someone like confused, just leave it, right? Just leave it. Don't confuse people. This is actually worse. It's more ignorance to confuse people than not. Mm-hmm. And it's really a subject for tulab al-ilm, mm-hmm. seekers of knowledge. If you're going to be seeking knowledge and spending hours upon hours studying fiqh, then we to. need to discuss this subject, right? You have to take a method. Yeah, you have to take mm-hmm. Otherwise, you, how are you going to study? Yeah, how are you yeah. going to study? And, and, and it's not, it's not even that difficult anymore to study a madhab. Like seekershub.org has like classes yeah. for free. Like, yeah. no, Sheikh Rami oh, teaches both. Like side by side curriculums specifically for the fic. He has uh, differences for the fic as well. He studies as well it. as, uh, no, excuse me, I'm confusing that with Seekers Hub. You can follow any of yeah. the different schools. Yeah. They yeah. have yeah. the different fic al 
uh, devil's advocate question. I want to hear Dr. Shadi's answer and Sidi Alex's answer on mm. this. Every time Sidi Hisham Mahmoud said, every time you play devil's advocate, an angel cries. Oh, that. really? Okay. <laughs> yeah, send me. Uh, I got some you. of that mango. Bismillah. Okay. Um, the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said Say the um, about following the easier of two opinions. Okay. Okay. Um, when it comes to matters of the deen, the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam always would, would also choose would always choose what was the easier of two opinions. So now, um, not to make things too technical, I'll define this. But what is the difference between ittiba al hawa and taysir fi deen? Following your whims and desires mm-hmm. and simplifying. Your deen. Um, is there a difference between to the start? Two? The re- Why is one valid? Not to the start other? the riwayah that I that that I know and look look it up. Ma khuyira bain amrain. Sallallahu. Ma khuyira bain amrain. He right, which means he wasn't given a choice. Right, presented with two this, different this, options. This is the argument that's presented. Yeah, right? but let me. Mm-hmm. So look at the wording carefully. Can, can you can you guys clear? Like, I have no idea. What, what you're talking about? Okay. What you guys? Are <laughs> so, so he's asking a question that there's a hadith of the Prophet Sallam that the Prophet Sallam it's narrated that he was never given two options except he took easier of the two. Right. So why can't right. I do that with fit? He did that. Yeah. By extension, that means we should obviously also, also do that. This so, got so technical that all three of us took off our heads. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and they went to go get water because they were like sweating. Okay. This discussion is too advanced for us. So listen, this is, this is the type of podcast that someone should listen to it like three or four times just to get the technical elements. Right. You remember like those old uh, Hamza Yusuf tapes that you listen like 10 times in the car? Mm. Right. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, those cassettes you just keep playing the tape. <laughs> tape, but the point, the my my comment on this is the hadith says ma khuyira, which means he was never presented with two options except he chose the easier one. Right? The deen is never presented to the Prophet He brings the deen. Mm-hmm. Right? So when this matter is related to matters of the world, not fatwa, the Prophet's never presented with two fatwas and two opinions. Mm-hmm. He's the source of everything. So what is presented to the Prophet? It, worldly issues, right? Worldly matters. And that, he took the easier of the two. Rather, in the deen, he took that which is most close to his Lord, Azawajal. And in legislation is something different too. Mm-hmm. He legislated things to be easy for the Ummah, right? And we're not legislating, right? I, I <laughs> so can, we're not legislators. I can just throw in a partial... The my partial answer to that would be to whoever says that to me is you're not Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. So just take what's already there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But also, are you are, is the argument that the ulama in the past didn't know this mm-hmm. and only you <laughs> discovered it, and so they didn't do it, and That's they went with the hard word. opinions? No, yeah. obviously they gave what was sounder yeah. and safe, even even according to that methodology. So. Mm-hmm. Just stop. Yeah. <laughs> That's always a good point. Is when yeah. someone brings something, right? Mm-hmm. The question is, wait a minute. You don't. You don't think that Ibn Hajar knew that. You don't think that Suyuti knew that. You don't think that Abu Hanifa knew that. Shafi knew straight that. Straight over their heads, right? <laughs> yeah. And then, so and now, then my favorite. Sorry. Then yeah. my favorite. My favorite response to people who come with any of this kind of stuff is, okay, you know what? I I, I would rather be on Imam Malik's mistake uh, than your true. correctness. <laughs> All right. So you guys got another half hour because I'm about to throw a question out there. Okay, shoot. Take us on a tangent. Oh. Shoot. All right. So what do you say then about people who say that fiqh has been interpreted, you know, by the mass patriarchy that has oh, existed? Please. <laughs> oh, please. Oh. 
I was gonna throw that in like at yeah. the beginning of the thing when 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 Mufti Ansar started asking, I was gonna, but those are all dudes. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah. So what? So all of this, yeah. this conversation is mansplaining fic. Okay. Right. So <laughs> here we go. This is what this is the situation. We will say you're right. Okay. You're right. We all had it wrong. Okay. And all the scholars of Dean had it wrong until some lesbians came around, established second, third, fourth, whatever wave feminism that you're upon, right? And basically, now we understand what God's word says through them. Because of them, thanks to them and their dialectics and their what have you, right? And their uh, frame of seeing the world. Now, only because of that framework, we now understand the divine revelation that came 1,400 years ago. My okay. question is, though, so you see how absurd that sounds. Yeah, right. And the other thing is that, like, if it like it, you, you can't <laughs> simultaneously claim that every uh, thought pattern is influenced by the so-called patriarchy, and then also negate the fact that your own thought process is affected by the patriarchy. Like that's a, that's a, re- a re- fundamental. Like thing that I don't understand. No, it's read like, read the seerah of the Prophet sallallahu Aisha radiallahu anha, right, our mother and all the other of our mothers, the wives of the Prophet they speak out all the time, right? They ask these questions all the time. And that continues throughout the history, right? Many of the muhaddithun, the scholars of fiqh, um, you know, Imam Shafi's mother, I believe, right? I mean, and so many other... Imam Tahawi's so many people, you know, as far as female scholarship is concerned, right? They... All like ignored it or just succumbed in, to it. Imam Shafi's uh, <laughs> go-to in in difficult matters was a Sayyid and Nafisa. Sayyid and Nafisa. Radiallahu anha, from Ahlul Bayt in Cairo. Okay, and and we'll tell him, look, if that's your mentality, don't do the fiqh because if you if you do it with that mentality, you're gonna mess it up anyway, mm-hmm. right? So <laughs> that whole mentality is a whole nother uh, loop, mm-hmm. right? That has its whole nother podcast episode. Of how that mentality comes about and how it could be deconstructed. Yeah, because now, uh, and I mean this is a genuine question. A lot of people, I've personally met someone who fell off the dean because of this, right? Mm-hmm. They thought that, you know, fiqh, rulings, these types of things over the course of history had been influenced by the patriarchy. Mm-hmm. And that's why there's no way that they could accept Islam the way it is today because it's just been explained Well, then, well then go to Muhammad Akram Nadwi's uh, eight-volume book al-muhaddithat no it's not eight it's like close to 50 oh really yes for some reason yes. i saw eight i don't know why. okay no but, um but the it's it's huge so <laughs> so just finally published just the idea that uh you think that there were no women involved this is this is ridiculous patriarchy thing just slipped over all of their heads yeah. right and um Subhanallah. It, it's it's as far as the way i understand it, it has nothing to do again they haven't learned the usul they haven't studied the different, you know, reasons for the different rulings. They haven't studied the evidences. They haven't studied the context within the seerah of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Um, you know, as far as, for example, the women leading the prayer issue. Okay, um, the evidence that is brought forth is that she was leading the Sahabiya. She was leading, uh, you know, the Jama'ah inside the house of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Right. So the argument counter, the response to that would be, okay. The men, where are the men are always supposed to be praying their salah with jama'ah? Where are they supposed to be? In the masjid. In the masjid. So who was she leading? Most likely at home. Right. Women. Women and kids. That's it. And that's the end of the answer. It's nothing 
uh, you know, sexist or patriarchal or misogynistic, chauvinistic about it at all. Um, it's as practical and as a part of life as you can get. And even if there were, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. So you, you brought that up and I think Dr. Shetty brought up something interesting, uh, in, in our little podcast. There, there's think, more think to that tank, discussion, by the way, but think tank, uh, <laughs> chat group was that basically you're having to address those kind of things. You're always on the defensive, right? Oh, yeah. Because they're applying external frameworks, frameworks and ideologies to this, right? Mm-hmm. And you're automatically having to reconcile yeah. what what we know with with this newfound framework, right? Mm-hmm. And, and that's that's already putting you at a, at a yeah. disadvantage. That's why I said don't do it. What's I'll say to her, don't do it. If that's what you think is all patriotic, don't do it. Because if you do, if you go into fit with that mentality, you're probably going to mess it up anyway, right? right. right. So, so just don't do so it. I remember, I remember, I remember the first point about epistemology, Dr. Shadi, you made in one of the questions that you answered in the videos mm-hmm. about uh, the age of Sayyidah Aisha, radiallahu anha, yeah. um, where, okay, you're accepting this part of the source. You're saying that that's a valid transmitted fact, yeah. her age uh-huh. and the time of her marriage and consummation of marriage. But you're disregarding all of the other information about that incident mm-hmm. from that same source. Yeah. And, you know, your culture and your way of life is subjective over here, isn't it? Subjective over there yeah, as well, too. right? Yeah. And who are you to impose one over the other, right? Um, when, it's when, nonsense. When we disbelieve, it's so inconsistent, the framework and the methodology. When we disbelieve in liwat, mm-hmm. right? Liwat. Yes. Uh, we're attacked. Sodomy. 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 Yeah. They go and say, wait a second, don't, don't interfere between the, the love of two people, right? And then why are they then interfering between the love of two people? <laughs> Why, that, right? So we're talking about age of Aisha. Wait, 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 don't interfere. That's their love. Leave it alone, right? It's true. So but, anyway, but, the, but what Sad was uh, was saying was that when they come at you like that, it's not about the issue. It's about who gives you the right to come at me like that, mm. right? And who if and and they're if they're going to attack an entire tradition, you're going to attack 1,400 years of uh, scholarship. And good luck with that, right? You, you probably don't even speak Arabic. Right. The the whole tradition happens in Arabic. Uh, and no, Urdu and Persian and you speak none of it. No, right? subhanAllah, you just Turkish have to read history, read the biographies of these scholars, the Muhaddithun, yeah. the Fuqaha. As far as Arabic, as far as the amount of pages they used to write a day, the amount of books they left behind, the amount of students they transmitted to, the amount of knowledge they had, period. And yeah. add to that their taqwa, right? And add to that their fear of Allah and their adherence to the Sunnah of the Prophet Wasallam. They followed a madhab why? Yeah. Why? 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 And I and like patriarchal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and Why? I think, <laughs> like, I think it's a point that both Mufti Niyaz and Dr. Shadi have made before on separate occasions. But I, I remember one thing, Dr. Shadi, I think you said in a talk was, you know, and I think you told a story about someone coming up to you. It might have been allegorical, but somebody coming up to you and saying, oh, you know, they, they're, they love Urdu poetry, right? Like yeah. Mirza Ghalib, mm-hmm. right? And you were like, oh, I hate Ghalib. And yeah. he was like, uh, you know, what have you read? Oh, yeah. It was Iqbal. Iqbal, Iqbal, sorry, mm-hmm. Iqbal, right? Yeah. And he was like, "Oh, what have you read?" And you were like, "I don't know, but I don't like, I don't like." I was in uh, <laughs> Indiana with our friend uh, who had came. What was his name? Uh, yeah, I know who you're talking uh, about. Shoot, uh, yeah, uh, Yemen Atasi. Yeah. Right? Yes. So Yemen, uh, Yemen had invited me to Indiana. I gave the talk. Uh, everything was going good, and then everyone's in a good mood, and then all of a sudden, there's a Quranist in the midst of us, right? Mm-hmm. And he raises his hand and he says, uh, "You've been using all these hadith, right? And uh, firstly, I want you to bring everything from the Quran." Don't bring any hadith, right? So I said, okay. <laughs> so I said, listen, 
uh, I had been through this before, so I knew what to do exactly, right? And I knew there's only one type of person who brings that hadith, okay? Uh, and and uh, that type of talk, right? And they tend to be from uh, India or Pakistan. Mm. So I said, listen, uh, do you speak Arabic? Okay, he says, no. I said, how are you critiquing a body of literature when you don't even speak the language, right? He said, oh, no, we can read translations. And I was like, oh, this exa- he fell right into the same trap, exactly trap that I wanted him to fall into, right? <laughs> so I said, I also read the translations of Iqbal, and he is no good. What is the big deal with Iqbal? Right? He's wordy. He's, he doesn't rhyme, right? He just thinks. The guy went ballistic. He went literally. He had to almost like be restrained because I critiqued the poetry of Iqbal, which, which I have, by the way, haven't read neither mm-hmm. the English nor the Urdu, mm-hmm. right? And I'm sure he's a great guy, okay? Uh, but, <laughs> but I use that. I use that knowing most Quranists love Iqbal just because of their Daisy background, mm-hmm. right? And I went after Iqbal. <laughs> I just went with the left hook on Iqbal. He went ballistic and he says, it's not the same. I was like, of course it's not the same. Rasulullah is superior, right? <laughs> the words of the Prophet is superior, right? So, so, no, uh, so, so someone asked me a similar type of question, uncle, and, um, um, he asked me, uh, Mufti Saab, uh, he, he, he was just, I don't know what kind of a mood he was in, but okay, this happened. All right. He asked me, um, where should a person get all of their knowledge from? Where, 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 somebody who wants to learn how to pray, what's the first book that you would give them? What's the first book, right? That we are supposed to take knowledge from. So there's a book that's published in India by the late Grand Mufti of India. His name Mufti Kifayatullah Dehlawi. One of the scholars uh, graduated from Deoban. Right. He's also within our same chain of transmission right. um, for Sahil Bukhari and some of the other books. But he wrote a little tiny book called Ta'limul Islam. Okay. It's basically question and answers. What's the first kalima? This is the first kalima. Have you seen a translation of this? My, my, my father-in-law... Rahimahullah used to have that book okay. in, on his bookshelf. Are you serious? Yeah. He translated that. Talim al-Islam, it's just question and answer. So okay. the, from A, from to the B. beginning of Islam. What's the first kalima? What's okay. the second That's kalima? Beautiful. What's my, the prophet's my, name? My father-in-law, is, uh, he used to go out on jama'ah. Oh, and, oh mashallah. Yeah, yeah, Shout out to the jama'ah, mashallah. So I said Talim al-Islam, and he said, that's kufr. Excuse me? He, told, he said, that's kufr. Okay, why? I asked him, why? What's, what would you give first? He said, the Quran. I said, okay. Oh, your answer was kufr. He, he, said, he said my answer the, is kufr. Okay. Yes, excuse me. He said the answer is kufr. Oh, okay. It's even worse. He said you can't. <laughs> right? Yeah. He said that that's kufr. Oh, okay. okay. Indirectly calling me kafir as well for saying yeah. that, right? I should have said the Quran. I said the Quran. Okay. Um, I asked him, what are the requirements of salah? Oh. Does everybody need to pray? Okay. And um, you're saying that the Quran is the first place to search for the answers. Okay. So, Okay. You've called me kafir. I'm not going to touch it. You've got wudu. You can touch the Quran. Open the Quran and find out what are the criteria for salah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's it. That's the end of the story. That's the story. <laughs> that's, that's the story ends there. Because there's nowhere to go with okay. it. So I told him. I told him. Look, I got Talimul Islam off our shelf. He's like, here. Here. There's a chapter. These are the criteria of salah. Your clothes have to be clean. Your place has to be clean. Your body yeah. has to be clean. Qibla, takbir, tahrima, waqt of salah. Time, and yeah. um, Subhanallah. Uh, qiyam. And yeah. that's it. And that's it. That's Move it. on. Yeah. <laughs> what do you do there? What do you do? <laughs> we're hitting. There's like, people like that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, so we're hitting days. like, uh, two hours. Any closing comments? And then we'll, uh, wrap up. Um, I'll say this, that, that you're going to meet some people. I, everybody will meet certain people. They're just not going to be convinced. Okay. They're just not going to be convinced. Even if you do end up convincing them. And I'll just end with a quick story. 
um, someone comes, Sheikh, if you can explain this one issue to me, I'll become a Hanafi. I know for a fact this person is not going to change his mind. I know where he's coming from. I know where he's learned and I know who his teacher was. But okay, because I'm a nice person. <laughs> okay, I'll entertain it. He says, okay, what's your question? Um, the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, La salata limallam bi kitab. Okay, so I asked him, what do you understand by this? He said that this man, the hadith, the translation is that there is no salah for a person who does not recite Surah Fatiha. Mm-hmm. Okay. And he's saying that this man, la salata li man, lam yang, no salah for the one who, this is am, it's general. Okay. It applies to everybody, male, female, behind the imam or by yourself. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's his argument. I said, okay. The Quran says, <laughs> okay, that the word man, right, can also be khas, can also be specific. Mm-hmm. Right, and the example is yastaghfiruna liman fil ard. The angels they seek forgiveness for the people of the earth. That's true. Okay, so no, we so we have people. Just says for the ones the who of the, for the ones who are in the earth, right? right? For those who are in the earth. So we have um, you have atheists. We mm-hmm. we have you know, yeah. so many other people. We yeah. have yeah. Subhanallah. Okay. We have so many different types of people. Satan okay. worshippers. Satan worshippers. So are they making um, dua to them for them? So who are the angels making istighfar for? Yeah. And he said, the believers. Okay, so you're saying this man is general. Yeah. And you also agree with me that this man in the Quran, same word, is also specific at the same time. So he's like, oh, you know what? I'll get back to you. Hmm. I said, what'd you come here for in the first place? He said, no, I need to go ask uh, my teacher. He said, why'd you come here in the first place? Like, <laughs> yeah. Seriously, who are you going to go? Are you going to go ask the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam? Is that what you're going to do? You're yeah, going to call that's, somebody? Um, and that's with anything, right? This will happen. Oh, I went and the Sheikh couldn't answer my questions. I'm like, are you trying to tell me that Iblis was a great debater? He couldn't convince... You know, he beat a line of debate, right? He couldn't convince him. So, well, do you understand? There's, there's going to be people like that. I don't think we need to, uh, we need to be very sensible yeah, about, so. you know, where we bring up certain topics and things like that. But no, there's no excuse for not yeah. learning the usul. Not at all. There was a man one time. He said, I'll bring you, uh, we're going to debate. And this was two, between two Arab sheikhs. <laughs> we're going to debate. And I have brought all my evidences from Bukhari and Muslim. Okay. So the first question that the, uh, other sheikh said back to him, he said, uh, question number one, right? Show me from the Quran and Sunnah the five requirements for a Sahih Hadith. I had a similar the one. The five requirements of a Sahih Hadith are Aqli. They're all yeah. brought about by human intellect and scholars, right? So, so at that point, you're following the opinion of, so, so show me one Hadith that the yes. Prophet sallallahu alayhi you don't accept That's anybody's great. statement. Yeah. You don't accept anybody's statement other than the Prophet Sallallahu Okay, show me one hadith the Prophet Sallallahu has categorically declared as sahih and one hadith yeah. he has categorically declared as da'if, authentic yeah. and weak. Yeah. He said, Prophet Sallallahu hasn't done it. So who are you then? Yeah. Then you're just following somebody else's opinion. Yeah. For example, Imam Bukhari, Rahmatullah opinion, uh-huh. right, of what they accept His to judgment. be sahih. Yeah. And that's where, that's a huge point. So in... you're following opinion at the yeah. end of the day anyway. Yeah, and that's a huge point in the role of reason in fiqh. So I have a roadmap for people who want to not follow madhab. And it's a roadmap that'll get you to the point where you don't have to follow madhab, right? Yeah. So when you first start to learn Islam, obviously you don't know enough, but you still have to pray and fast and interact and have 
uh, ibadat and mamalat. So you have to take opinions. So when you first start, you have to take opinions. Follow one school so that it's co- it's cohesive. And A manual, yeah. Yeah, so that's cohesive and you don't have like, you know, difference of opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, at some point, you're going to have to start judging between opinions to find the strongest opinion, right? Mm-hmm. But first, you have to learn Arabic because you can't do it with translations. So study Arabic. While you're studying Arabic, also continue to take from one source so that, again, you have cohesion in your practice and it's comprehensive. And uh, it's not just like learning out of bata. You have to actually master Ooh, the Arabic grammar. language, right? Yeah. So that's because you're you're trying to read fusha, you're trying to read the Quran, you're trying to read hadith in its original source. Now, our teacher Sheikh Hamza Mukbul, I heard him say it that the Arabic language forget like what is translated into English, forget what is even published in Arabic. Maybe eighty eighty five percent of the literature that is produced, been written by the ulama of this ummah, is either in manuscript libraries, just not even been touched or has been lost because of Baghdad and the Mongol invasion and Andalusia and a whole bunch of other things. It's like not even close, right? SubhanAllah, how important of a requirement it is to be able to learn it in Arabic. SubhanAllah. Yeah. So keep going with the roadmap. Well, so then in the next point in the roadmap is now you've mastered Arabic. So what are you, like 10 years down the line maybe yeah. if you're studying hard, <laughs> if you're studying really hard and full time? Yeah. During that whole time, you've been following a madhab. Now... You have to know about usul, you have to know about the furu, you have to know about how people arrive at ruling. So you have to learn that first in one school, and then you can start learning the other ones. Once you've completed that, uh-huh. once, once you've gone through that, now you can start evaluating the rulings of one school. Yeah. So maybe you can start, maybe mm-hmm. you can start not being mushtahid of that school, but maybe just seeing what the strong opinions are in Mut- that school. Just be mutabi. Take another 20 years, you might become mufti, a mushtahid in your madhab. Yeah. And then maybe you can start making decisions about other madhab, or you'll be dead because you're only man. <laughs> so that's your roadmap. Yeah. I don't want to hear about it until you're at least yeah. 30 years from now. <laughs> or, or you'll be broke because you'll be studying all day. Right? You can't hold a job. Well, I mean, if you can do it, come back. <laughs> to, if you're just starting to learn now and yeah. you don't want to follow madhab, good. 30 years from now, you can abandon following so, madhab. In the meantime, mm-hmm. don't ruin your yeah. your your afterlife. Yeah. By taking this hubris <clears throat> position that you can mm-hmm. figure it out yourself, yeah. or somebody tells you that that it's a bit the biggest bina is not following scholarship. Yeah, that's why Allah tells Shaykh, you in the Quran. Ask those who remember if you don't. Subhanallah. Know. The biggest uh, the book that Sheikh Saeed Ramdan Bouti wrote was Allah Madhabiya Akbar Bida. Right. Mm-hmm. right to the, this a disrespect of the Madhab, okay, <laughs> is <laughs> the biggest innovation. Rahmatullah. <laughs> Right? It's the biggest innovation. And again, my thing is not for the person who innocently made a mistake and, and didn't really re- realize it. No, it's someone who's a muta'amid, uh, intentionally disrespecting the process, right, of scholarship and having no respect to madahib or the one who has de- developed his own theory on why we don't need to follow these madahib. And that's really who we're attacking. We're not a, uh, going after your regular common Muslim who just happened to maybe, uh, be upon one of the things that we are smashing here. Uh, that, that, that's not what we're upon. We're on people with, uh, this arrogance and this agenda. We have, we have to have a, a female perspective. We have to have, uh, you know, whatever perspective, a stupid perspective. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Like we don't need, we don't yeah. need the madhab of, well, I want it all to be within, you know, colored by 
the the you know shaded by the yeah. color of whatever this is. Right. Right. The it's nonsense. Way, it's yeah. nonsense. Yeah. Burger. It's nonsense. Yeah. Yeah. Burger King. Yeah. That that that's the whole yeah. point of sending a messenger, Salario. Salam. Otherwise, just a giant <clears throat> book fall from yeah. this guy. You guys figure it out for yourselves. Yeah, it's true. So, well, it'll be easy for people when they're they're not even like they don't even consider themselves human anymore, right? <laughs> <laughs> In 50 years, it'll be easy. Nothing applies to you. Yeah. The problem is even those people, even those people will be eight generations away from human or Muslim, and they'll be like. Well, from my Muslim heritage, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, yeah. shut up. <laughs> so, if you were like not a binary gender, yeah. <laughs> 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 we're, at, we're at two hours and twelve minutes. Let's cut it off. But I'm gonna all ask right. my but question. What were you gonna say though? Gonna say? I'm, I'm curious. I'm gonna ask my question, and then we're gonna end the podcast. Okay, this is gonna happen offline. Yeah. All right. So, if you weren't a binary gender, okay, right? So. And if you're not one or the other. If you're not male or okay. female. Because I have to catch up on the terminology now. If you're okay. not male or, what is it, cis male? Cis, right? yeah, cis female, okay. <laughs> if you're not male or female, uh-huh. right, and you are a Muslim, there are trans, there supposedly are transgender Muslims who believe in this, right? No, I'm sure, yeah. There yeah, are right? people who are Muslims, they believe Allah is now, messenger, and they also have some level say, of mental health issues where they think that you know there's yeah. something different than they really are Go ahead. now let's say <laughs> yeah, but they, they might have like, they might they're islam because they're majnoon right so yeah. Well, yeah they might not even they might not even be <laughs> not responsible. Yeah. so yeah. then <laughs> let's say that this person right was i don't know he, he identified as like a robot Right. Okay. Or something, right? Some, some. A fox. So at this point, he's transhuman. Yeah. A fox. Let's yeah. say he identified as a fox. Okay. Right. Yeah. So, fit. Right. <laughs> but he's still a Muslim. Right. What do they call those? Fox. Fox skin. Fox skin. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. But if he's not even a human anymore, what? So then, what thick would apply? Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. the end of the podcast. Yeah, we ha- we have a ruling on that. All okay. Right. <laughs> uh, sharia only applies to baligh <laughs> aql. Yeah. <okay. laughs> Mature and has intellect, sound intellect. So, Ooh. what if somebody had? You're trans- saying that if you reach the age of of your 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 mother, how does a machine right? reach puberty? Yeah, yeah, huh? No. <laughs> are you saying that people who are adults yeah. religiously res- they're responsible for all their own actions? They're responsible for their <laughs> actions. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. I thought that it, I thought that it didn't apply in certain circumstances. <laughs> All right, so alhamdulillah, thank you, everyone. Uh, it's a pleasure. So, inshallah, assalamu alaikum. Alaikum salam. Before you close, I'm sorry. Before the salams, I, the the funniest thing I saw this week is somebody had a pile of money, a picture of a pile of money, and it said, "If I had a dollar for every gender that exists." I'd have two dollars and a lot of counterfeit money. <laughs> 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 All right, guys. It's not my. Thank you. 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 Thank you.